0: From an individual standpoint, Thorin's peaks in terms of actual performance have been much higher. You mean, than you mean
1: uh, forgiven? You said oh, Thorin, though. Oh, but you meant forgiven <laughs>
2: Well, maybe. I agree, though. I have been both. much better than
1: Reckless yeah. on my uh, career, yeah.
2: Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Side Select with some grumpy old men talking about esports. The grumpy old men in question are the lovely Rich and Thorin, and I shall be your host, Mr. Fuckstrup. Uh, and most importantly, of course, you know the you know if you've seen this before, you know that you know that you I have very important questions to begin with. Before we get talking about esports, my question of the day to you fine gentlemen is: When you get your meal deal from Tesco, from the Co-op, from wherever it is you get your meal deal from, what's your go-to meal deal? Now, if you don't know what a meal deal is, if you're outside the UK, because I don't know if this is a UK thing or not, but a meal deal is for like three pound three pound fifty you get like uh, a main a snack and a drink from the corner shop right from a little grocery so uh, that's usually just like a, a like it's like a sandwich then like some crisps or like a, a brownie if you're lucky or something like that and then your your drink of choice all right it's kind of a thing for your for your go your go-to lunch the working person's lunch in in the UK so that's my question what is your go-to meal deal Dorin tell me. I wonder actually, by the way, I'm not aware in other countries as to whether that's like such a big thing. Because in the
1: UK, especially because of like corporate office culture, that's like a super famous thing. That Obviously, yeah. it's a way to save a bit of money, but it's also just like you, that is what you have for your lunch, isn't it? You have like a sandwich plus crisps plus a drink or something. So if people don't know, like that is like a, the joke is everyone who's ever worked a real job in the UK will have something like that. Thing is, first of all, it doesn't have to be a sandwich necessarily. Like, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm obviously from the Northeast. I am working class trash. So guess what? Sometimes I maybe want a side dummy. Do you know what that is? Foxtrot. No. <laughs> a Teesside, by the way, you're about to find out why my area is pure trash and has nobody legit coming from it. They call uh-huh. it, as a joke, a Teesside dummy, a fucking sausage roll. As in, if your kid's cry, just shove a sausage roll in its mouth. That tells you pretty much all you need to know about the Northeast. <laughs> so, no. you know, if that's why we're <laughs> starting out, like, oh, he's crying, shove a bunch of fucking trans fats <laughs> on so that in his face. I'll shut the little cunt up. So, anyway, there's that already. But it, let's be real. If you don't know, one of the reasons why all the idiots in the UK go, probably do, I mean, we've made Greg's our fucking out burger now guys it is just normal food but we have gone way too much but it's because if you've ever been to other countries like a greg sausage roll is fucking straight fight. it's probably the best sausage roll you can get i don't know why they've just sort of nailed it i mean the joke is they probably just put some extra fucking shit in there that just chemically tells your brain it's nice without actually being real food or whatever so sausage rolls a good one if you go for sandwiches the problem is i'm not a huge sandwich eater like i don't ever make them myself so i actually do like i have to say i'll score go to like sainsbury's one they the like slightly higher up ones believe it or not if you don't know that as well <laughs> even though there's theory not supposed to be classes anymore the Entire like supermarket structure in the UK is based on class system and where you live and how nice it is. So that's right. why in, the joke here is instead of like we're well, just in the supermarket. No, because I want a better sandwich. I'm now going to like the middle class supermarket. So I'm go, I'm not going to say I'm not going crazy. I'm not going to Selfridges, but I'm going to I'm going to Sainsbury's and I'm obviously getting you know they go with the more sort of like unusual flavors or something like they'll have some sandwich that's like some extra thing. So I'll go with one of those. And then one thing I have to say is this: it's just an excuse actually to just have a miniature rant about crisp again right are you ready because one thing as you've learned from this show that I've discovered about the rest of the world I mean it's true rich you know what they say what do they of England know they who only England know. That's a bit a bit of poetry to start short. Because what you learn by going around the world, by the way, is actually how different things are back home that you don't know different. You should take it for granted. So one of the things I've learned is actually the UK, compared to Europe, by the way, is actually a bit weird in the fact that not only do we like like stuff like salt and vinegar crisps, but we generally like really strong flavoured crisps. They actually quite like weak crisps, if you don't. That's why things like paprika and shreddy salted are really popular in Europe. So what's mad is not only First things first, if I'm just in a random shop, I'm going to go with whatever's like a really strong fucking salt and vinegar crisp. Like those squares were a classic back in the day. The McCoys are pretty good. And when I say really sharp, like if you guys think, I've had salt and vinegar, you haven't had these ones man. I want the (laughs) ones where sometimes you can't even finish them because they're fucking your mouth up that much. They're the ones I want. But if they're not, and this is where the miniature rant comes. There's a brand, you guys are gonna to have to tell me if this even exists anymore, because sadly it might actually just be a relic of my boomer past in the 90s and 2000s. But if you like the types of crisps that I'm talking about, strong flavour, sharp, like unique flavours, and you like meats and stuff, those are fucking, you'll know instantly. Do you remember the brand? Branigans. They were the ones where it would be like, I'll give you an example. They would have smoked ham and pickle. They would have roast beef and mustard. So they would be like a combo, but it would be super strong. And like, these were the ones, and this is what I love. You know, if you get like a normal packet of crisps, sometimes at the bottom, you get that random one where all the flavours got onto it. And a fucking idiot probably just throws that out. I take that and I just like fucking absorb it. Like and experience, it's like LSD in crisp form. Every one of them's like that. They're just packed with the flavour. You could just lick them. If you're in prison for like 20 years, you just, you just sustain yourself. Alpha, oh, just the, the dream of flavor, oh, roasted beef with. Mustard, oh god, yeah. One day I'll be free. If you like the Count of Monte Cristo or something. Like, so anyway, yeah, there you go. I'd have some of those crisps because the the ones that were the smoked ham uh-huh. and pickle were fucking amazing. They were
2: really good. For the drink, whatever you can have like a fucking Pepsi or something for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. I like honestly, I I don't go much. But much those crisps exist anymore, but have you ever no, seen they those? Don't, ones? They don't. I,
0: the thing is, yeah. I the name didn't immediately hit me, but I googled them and I recognized. You will the recollect. They
1: were sort of more yeah. of like a bit
2: pop type one, if yeah. you know whatever. They yeah. don't.
1: They don't yeah. exist anymore. Ah, oh, that's a shame. Yeah. There we. Go that's all whole guys
2: well what about you then Rich do you um do you get offals as your, as your side as your snack or perhaps malted bread with well something? actually caviar or something to, yeah, on, you know? yeah, to, to Thorin's
0: <laughs> point as middle class white child abroad tales uh having been a very well traveled man in my youth uh I can tell you that yeah, the, the concept of like deli doesn't really exist no we got that like at yeah. all so if you go into like a german supermarket like Edeka or something like that they don't they, like you'd be lucky if they even sell a fucking sandwich let alone a meal deal so the concept of a meal deal doesn't really exist in europe your france is your spain's your Germany's not really a thing um the other thing i would say first of all one co-signing greg's is actually a banger like greg's is. is like so yeah. fucking cheap i used to go there as like a yeah. student all the time because it was so cheap and again obviously it's a case of like flavor over real nutritious sustenance or whatever but i was always kind of (laughs) mind blown how cheap that shit is number two the tiered system in supermarkets in the uk is also real and by the way by the way this applies to places like germany france it's just a supermarket like any supermarket is just a supermarket in germany i remember there was a supermarket called kaiser's which was meant to be like the premium supermarket it was fucking trash consider that again for you uk people out there like marks and spencers is the thing that exists right and then go to a kaiser's in germany and imagine that that is their marks and spencers it's a fucking disgrace it's basically a worse version of little as far as i'm concerned anyway pompous white uh child stuff aside what do i typically get what well, i used to get is I remember specifically I, I worked in a uh, I worked doing IT support in a call center, and every day I would go to Tesco's Express and I would get usually chicken and mustard pasta if I was feeling you know a bit spicy or pasta? Okay. yeah pasta or yeah. I never got the sandwiches because the thing is I was always mid maxing and if you actually look at the grams apart from anything else in terms of what you're getting the pasta was always way better value than those shitty little. Two sided sandwiches. The only exception would be if, do you remember they used to have, maybe they still do. Yeah, it's a like pasta. Three... It costs
1: like one cent for your entire portion. So like, the joke is, oh yeah, I'm in mean, Max that. Like, yeah, so where well, you can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> unless it was one of those three tiered sandwiches, like every now and then you get the, the breakfast. Those are the sauce. best, yeah, by yeah, the way. Exactly. The, yeah. Best. Yeah. the other thing yeah.
1: we do in the UK that's also way better is you don't just get the sandwich on its own. It's like it comes like a triple decker. Yes. Those are the
0: fucking shit. Those but are the best ones. Because of the yeah. awkward start time for my job, because my job started at 10, not 9. So when I would go to Tesco's, all of those triple stack breakfast ones were gone, which is why I would then default to the pasta. And then I would usually get it was always crisps because again I was like shortly crisps is more worth than getting the chocolate bar which is the other thing you can get right so I was let me like, see the classic
1: mistake you made riches you should have just camped out waiting until it was legal to <laughs> run in and grab some you know like an excel social media manager Oh no, <laughs> that was for you man that was just a free one for you yeah. sorry sorry I, that's just a freebie I, for you
0: I, I appreciate the, the, the free um there's nothing better than a free hit on someone who's you know, already
1: you down. know what the, wild, the wildest <laughs> thing about that one though it's like look we're not going to go into it obviously I mean by the way that would have if it was off-season, that would have been a straight-fire topic. Whatever. Right? The one thing I will say about that, though, Rich, is that's what cracked me up is because I love when people are too stupid because stupid people also never know when to stop talking. They just keep digging 24-7. So I just love the way that that was the actual explanation. Like, oh, but I just meant, like, when they turned 18. It's like, so you're fantasizing about them now. <laughs> and they, uh, that's still weird. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't, they haven't thought of it through at all. You know, also, that's not how it works, is it? It's like the second you turn 18. Grab some pussy. It's like that would be inappropriate, <laughs> wouldn't it? You know, like they never get it, dude. They never. I know how they always think because the they, everyone's everyone in life seen too many like courtroom dramas, and we all think we could do like the fucking the one speech that turns the case. around I, I bet in court it's not even like that. By the way, I bet you go to talk and they're like, "Sir, you'll speak when you're smoking do Sit down. Like, oh, okay.
0: Like they don't even yeah. do that anyway. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, Come on. What else? Uh, and then, I mean, really, it's just what well, crisps for start of. Well, the crisps. Well knickknacks if I can, I'll fucking love. Are they it still nice. around? Yeah. They are, yeah. Do you know what's
1: sad? Is is this isn't a big run? It's a very, like two second run. Basically, the other problem, you know, with that, this will sound mad. It's the same problem with Iron Brew. The health standards have fucked all of these products, right? If you eat some knick Rich, you're not eating it for health. You're fully aware yeah. of some processed shit that's going to be bad for you. So what you want is it to taste really strong like knick yeah. What they do with all those products, you'll have noticed, is knick taste about fucking a fourth as strong as they used to, don't they, mate? And now it's no longer... Now the flavour even sort of feels more synthetic, if you know what I mean. Like, they have actually fucked all those products. Because they were supposed to be bad for you, but the joke is like, I know, I know it's bad for me, please, <laughs> yeah. can I have
0: it? it's like golden grahams as well another classic which they destroyed like all the cereals are just down the drain now like you forget about that so yeah and then for the drink i just get yeah usually because you know being health conscious, or whatever. I've had some knickknacks, so I'll have some smoothie cup or zero, some, uh, zero, won't I? Oh, Coke <laughs> Zero. So, yeah. There you go. Or Pepsi. I thought Max he
1: was is- going to claim he was getting like vegetables. So like, no, it's a smoothie. Nah, nah.
0: <laughs> Pe- I don't don't role play that much, but no, okay. actually, Pepsi Max is the best sugar-free. So <laughs> I think it is by by yeah. an absolute mile. By the way, very small side. Ran isn't the biggest scam in food that's not actually really a scam but you always you go to scam on, on yourself. This. yeah it's refillable sodas in restaurants because every time yeah. say you go to a nando's or whatever and you're like hmm i could get a coke for you know one pound 20 or whatever or i could get refillables for like two pounds 50 like that's a fucking bargain isn't it i could have like 15 if i wanted but after the first one you're like Who's oh, the max. Yeah, yeah, I probably max. want like yeah. half, <laughs> yes. maybe half, and then I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, oh, you never use it, do you? Like, you you're actually, you're just scamming yourself. Like. I yeah. thought
1: you meant the obvious one which I still think is so mad because even though all of us to this day I mean maybe not in the modern day we have jobs and that but everyone's been through so many times in their life where they literally just had no liquid cash at that moment and yet we're all so stupid we still buy individual cans when we're out and stuff like logically you know in your life you're going to drink litres of this shit you can it, if you don't know in the UK it is the most famous product that will always be a lost leader one pounds for a bottle of Coke or Pepsi it will always be that price point if people don't know because it's so famous to get people in the supermarkets so the joke is I mean, forget that. If you just went to Macro or something, you could just buy like 52 litre bottles now and save so much, but we're all so stupid we'll never do it. And I know we won't, by the way, because even though I'm saying it now, I'm about to do it myself in the future. I definitely will. We all do it. I'm definitely going to do it again. We're all going to make that mistake, sadly.
0: Or going, taking an individual tr- trip to go to somewhere like Poundland where they do unironically sell the big two litre fuckers for one pound and they're like 180 or two pounds in fucking Tesco's or whatever. But obviously you're not going to take an individual trip to go to Poundland, are you? So of course, you just don't.
2: What's yours then, Fox Drop? Oh, my go to is uh see I was a bit surprised. Dorian that you, you you glossed over the main a little bit and you said you, you said where The you problem with that in. is that
1: because yeah, I said like I'm not a huge sandwich fan it's like I yeah. actually like them to be like different flavours each time so I'll give you an example okay. there are actually a lot of flavours in the UK These, you, if you've been to like a Sainsbury's like I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about what I like is when they'll do something like there'll be like a fucking like a curry flavoured one because this, here's the other problem as well by the way if you want to eat something that's like curry flavoured I'd go high as you can on the quality scale because that's exactly the sandwich that's going to fucking wreck your digestion system yeah. and dream you are like the joke is when you have one of those or a kebab if you're in the uk and you get food poisoned a few days later you don't waste your time going to the doctor you just go well I should really learn my lesson but i probably won't and you know exactly what caused it don't you, you know what went through your system it's pretty obvious so i'd go with like a curry ward or maybe again something like bacon like by the way bacon with anything's pretty good so bacon with something with something else i like i like yeah. them to have a lot of flavor a lot of, a lot of stuff going on a lot of palate yeah being engaged you that's know cool. right. i'm not sort of just like yeah, a ham and right. cheese guy or whatever you know yeah yeah so what's your go-to
2: because yeah, go if people to... don't know
1: since intentionally makes them seem weird so they seem
2: exotic that's why i like them basically every, everyone <laughs> i've I, I almost kind of it's almost like a phenomenon among the among the british people is that a lot of people have like a go-to you know for for a meal deal like you know like like richard saying he, he got his 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 pasta thing you know and, and that was it every time for me I get chicken and bacon, and maybe I'm basic for that, but chicken and bacon just can't go wrong with. And I feel like when you look at it, yeah, when you look at the sandwich, you know, almost like that. On the side? That, that's a big part yeah. of it. It's also yeah. judging, you know, yeah. what looks like it's in there and how much it is it, yeah, that's a big deal. Like my best value for money for, like, what... The oh, for meat it is, of, yeah. Sandwich, yeah. Oh, well, sandwich. that is also a delicious sandwich, I will say. that I, I don't know if, obviously, like,
1: traditionally, they don't necessarily go together. Those go together really well, the sandwich, actually, yeah, with mayonnaise, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty and pretty you, good consistency.
2: You can get chicken and bacon anywhere as well, so that's good as well. Like oh sure. It's not it's not a rarity. I live right next to a co op, so that's my my go to, but like yes yeah, uh i always get chicken and bacon in that think.
1: case though it must ruin you when you go and they're all out though like rich says where the, yeah. the, the ones are gone I mean, you because you know the problem is you've got that yeah. expectation in your mind of exactly what you're gonna have aren't you and then you get like, like oh i'm gonna have to have like a blt and i'm so like well
2: yeah pretend to chip bacon and you know unironically that is my second one. Oh, there we go <laughs> that's i mean not, that's, a, that's probably like,
1: i would i would guess that's going to be the most popular one in the uk it's like every, yeah. everywhere has a blt right
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I am one yeah, of those there's... people, by the way. Who, unironically, I will spend a good thirty seconds if there is a lot of options of the same sandwich, trying to like feel one in both hands and be like, <laughs> which is more <laughs> in, and then looking at the side on view and be like, this one looks like it's got more filling. I will actually take the time to do that because I'm convinced. I'm convinced there's something to that. I don't think. Oh, by all the way... sandwiches are made equal. They are not.
1: Now that I actually do know that all these foreigners in Europe don't like crisps that super strong, and especially that, like, some of them in Eastern Europe don't even like spice or anything too. Like, I'm actually going to try and fuck with some of these people who just get them to eat, like, a fucking discos or something. Like, one of those. Like, oh, I should have one. It's, it's lovely. Cause I'm not going to warn them at all, though, because, that, again, that's just going to be too much for them. Purple like, monster One munch. of those will reckon. them. Purple yeah, monster oh,
0: munch. Yeah. That'll send monster them reeling. Fun. Or Space Invaders, that's the other one. Space just Invaders for the Pure salt, one. isn't it? Oh,
1: you know yeah. one of the maddest things as well that yeah. we did with stuff like Monster Munch that'll never make sense is it's actually impossible to eat without hurting your mouth. Yes. You're actually just, you're just grinding your own gums the whole yeah. time you're eating them. It's mental, yeah. isn't it? Like, but some of they are delicious, so it gives a fuck. So. That
2: is, as, I, as I've grown older, I've realised when I eat Monster Munch or, or what are they called? Like Wotsits or um, things like that, they just get stuck in your teeth like a paste. You spend more time, like, just like... Trying to get these, get these crisps out of your teeth. They're just stuck in there. That so is a banger shout, the
0: by the way. The, sorry, the, sorry to interrupt you. I was gonna say that is a banger I shout. Just- before I forget, is in America those fuckers meme like Cheetos and how that's like sort of crisp cocaine or whatever cheetos have some fucking what are they called it's not weed what are they called the fucking it? have some it? Yeah. that will send you in a spiral yeah. the difference is insane i actually out purely out of interest when i was in la i went to target or whatever and i got a thing of a uh, Cheetos, because I'd never had any. Tastes like nothing. Like if you've ever had, oh, a terrible. Tastes like nothing. Tastes like air, it tastes air, like air and food, dust. It's just like pop food, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, exactly. No, dust. it's like it's like it, it, dude. It looks like a yellow version of that packing stuff that like fucking styrofoam yeah. that comes in a box or something, doesn't it? It's like what, what am I eating? Nothing of it Where's the
0: flavour? Yeah, if you're an Amer- <laughs> if you're an American and you're ever in the UK. Have some fucking oh, what are they called? oh again? blow your head off
1: yeah that's it yeah what's I'm not even that big a fan
0: it? but if you again if you want a really ah, strong
1: cheese flame, it's gonna fucking
0: hit the t- yeah. hit the spot in it you'll yeah. never you'll never be able to have Cheetos again by the way we do actually
1: even though americans look understand americans it's only normal to you you morons because you've lived there your whole life but i do get that to americans these names must sound so <laughs> monty python nick knacks and fucking watch it give me a break what are you what are we what are we talking about it's going all over the place just sounds like we're making mary poppins show in it like
2: these are all real products i honest i'm telling you they're real they're all real I mean, you literally called a sausage roll a T side dummy to open the show up with. So a good one, literally Like, genuinely, unironically, we are living in a in a Monty Python role play. Anyone anyone living outside the UK must. I understand why they why they why they feel the way it is. Um. Anyway i've completely forgot we're here to talk about esports aren't we yeah i get so engrossed in our our conversations to start the show they're just so exciting we're gonna have to do an off-topic one at some time when there's nothing else to talk about in esports which is never because there's always something to talk about in esports whether it's drama or otherwise and the first thing we're going to talk about today uh, it's some kind of sad news regarding Gambits. the uh, the Russian organization previously known as Moscow Five. They had teams in uh, League of Legends, obviously. You know they were the first like big dominant team way back when, and were well, you know, they they were still they were, they were in like the the equivalent of the EU LCS LEC. and now, well, were in the in the CIS region. Uh, Fortnite teams closed, CS:GO teams closed, Dota two teams closed, like. Valorant squad looking like it could be next on the chopping block as well. I mean, this is an organization that's been around for a very long time, you know, and they they've they've done a lot of things. They're they're a mainstay in in the sports ecosystem, not just in one game either, but in multiple as I've mentioned. Uh but it looks like uh, that they're, they're going under with with the implications of of the war in uh in Russia and Ukraine. So my question to you guys is just general thoughts about uh, gambit kind of potentially being forced out the scene and and potential uh the the legacy that that organization leaves behind i'm going to come to you first on that one rich
0: yeah i'd first say that again while nothing's certain there's not been like an announcement like we're peacing out or whatever i do personally think there is like a 90 percent chance of it based on as fox already outlined sort of the gradual or not even gradual the pretty rapid pulling out of game after game after game also with the russian uh, invasion sort of no end in sight and if you actually follow any kind of like man on the street shit in terms of like what's going on with businesses and and so on in russia and how like uh that's impacting income streams or whatever i mean again that all their sponsors are basically pulled out so yeah, it does look like they're pulling out, and also they've made some super weird social media posts recently. If you like, if you just go on their Twitter, these are their last three posts. First of all, they haven't tweeted since July, July nineteenth. They ha- was their last tweet. Their last three tweets. First of all, tons of love for you all, heart on July sixteenth. Then two days later, free hugs, heart, and then a day after that. Kind And imagine tweeting this, by the way, is like, an esports org. Kinda sad, period. Send me your favourite meme, please. That's their last tweet. <laughs> no content, yeah. no added context or anything. That's just, like, the last... So, yeah, first of all, not gonna lie, this fucking social media guy is, I mean terrible let's be honest but also it does very i mean it look it looks like the owners grabbed hold of the account and has started getting really emotional about the fact they might have to let go of his baby so yeah it is legitimately sad in terms of like their legacy and what they're leaving behind um it's a bit strange because i generally don't really see western fans like ever super like biasing themselves uh against cis regions but at the same time obviously they're less relatable because you know the players don't necessarily speak as good english or or, you know, or whatever but i don't really feel that esports has ever been heavily personality driven anyway like i don't think it's like people getting loads of fans of the back end of, of interviews obviously like that can happen but to be completely frank there are pretty much fuck all interesting personalities in esports generally anyway so i'm not really sure why teams like gambit haven't really garnered that much fan interest from western fans Um, I mean again as Fox said like if you factor in the fact that you know obviously the Alex Ich Moscow 5 team could have claimed to be the best team in the world at one point in time certainly a very dominant team in the early days of league their CSGO team's basically been perpetually like top five at least top seven for like years on end at this point Um, so it does seem kind of mental how sort of under the radar as an org they generally seem to go despite having top teams over the years so from from an achievement perspective certainly i feel like they're definitely underappreciated um and i feel like their legacy will probably sadly go quite i don't think it will be placed in its its proper uh given its proper sort of level of grandeur and contribution considering what they have done when you compare it to some other fucking whack orgs which have never could never have claimed to have like the best League of Legends team in the world or a perpetual top GO team but will probably be remembered in the fans eyes long after we've all forgotten about Gambit or most of us have forgotten about Gambit so yeah I I think unfortunately they probably will go down as being rather underappreciated when all's said and done.
2: What about you Thor and what are your thoughts on on Gambit? Do you share like Rich's opinions that they're kind of on the outside on their way out I guess as an org oh, as far client. as I can
1: tell as an org they're fucked like they just cannot exist anymore like they either would have to go and if there's going to be like an internal Russian sla- maybe it's not Russian if you know it's like the, the geopolitical situation it could be like Russia plus China plus I don't know some other countries over that region could choose to form their own league essentially and play. but the problem is you're going to just make a new industry at that point in time so I don't see how gambit, the current gambit can really exist or at least with the players we know because if you haven't noticed the big divide because of the sanctions angle in esports is obviously the players still all want to play so the players are going to go to Western orgs and register in Serbia and all that jazz and find countries to live in Lithuania or whatever and still play for Western teams so the thing I think sucks is first of all if you just go and read Richard Lewis's still ongoing esports Iron Curtain series you will find out that these sanctions aren't even fucking applied in like in like a proportionate manner to each sets of orgs they're just essentially capriciously like someone like oh you're too big you're out and uh, no, what about me oh uh, never mind like there's just people who survived and got through the fucking slow skates somehow who as far as like intelligent equally connected to oligarchs and connected to Putin. it's outrageous so the reason why that makes me sick is because people are acting right here's the difference Furtus Pro is literally owned for like more than half a decade now by a very famous CIS region oligarch who has pumped millions into it he even pumped millions into Na'vi Ah, oh, that's fucking convenient you never hear about that very much this year do you Na'vi and all those oligarch millions but here Is the difference that means his org has mad money? If you don't know, they also used to own Epicenter and all that shit, right? Gambit is a tiny little org. Gambit essentially is like one of those mad. The joke is if you were going to make a documentary about like a someone coming from like bedroom org to the top of the world, Gambit is the story. They are the rags to riches. Like literally, they weren't there at the beginning of these games, and you know, got your foot in the door, etc. Like if people don't know, obviously the whole Moscow Five thing beforehand, they had to get that fall in their lap so they could get that team. But what's crazy is they've had three different games. If you count Valorant. I don't know if people know I've on the. I don't know if people currently count Valorant as like the big E spots. I don't know if it's like penetrated the League of Legends daughter to CSGO, but I'd say it's probably about there now. It could probably join soon with the viewership, right? They've had three games where they have genuinely had the number one team in the world so League of Legends as we said is obviously the classic one they were they were an amazing team I mean sure that was a bit of happenstance at the time of the game and all the rest of it I'd even say quite frankly though the element people even miss with that team is that team could have done even more one like that team was so good in the game famously they had one tournament ever it was their last ever at the ULCS playoffs where so they didn't finish top four in LAN they were just outrageously fucking good at like real tournaments and then two the only reason they had to split up is because of the intense pressure of not even being able to live in Germany because of that weird fucking work visa law where you we just couldn't live there in a team house. You had to keep flying because if you don't know the Maddest Eaters, they were all having bad travel because everyone come from Russia. The Maddest was Edward's though Edward used to travel something mad like eight hours internally within Russia and then fucking take the train or whatever. Like I used to tell this guy, like, how can you even live doing that, mate? Like I'd either twenty four seven be complaining in interviews. I'd just like fucking, I'd just quit. I wouldn't to do it. So mad props to those guys. But then you had League of Legends like that. That could have continued on for years as well, in my opinion. And be like that. that call would have been a top team for years. You could have brought in other talents. Stuff instead. By the way, you could even argue that tanked the whole fucking Russian like League of Legends system. Like all of a sudden, they, the the jokers, people like Edward kept playing for years, was still the top. So then I would say this. Then you go to CS:GO. The CS:GO one, by the way, is a very impressive one because that one's actually not even like we scouted them all. They got that one is genuinely like a GM job. They took it all great when they started with Gambit in CS:GO. They were way below the Narnies of the world. They probably weren't even as good as Flipside if you know back then. But what they did genuinely is just find one piece after another. So they started with a veteran like Hoot that they like more and they had a drain and they just gradually and eventually obviously they got the lucky moment that Narvi kicked Zeus so they got to do the classic pivot and even though their team wasn't ever that team wasn't number one it won a major sure everyone considers it's a fluke but it's but I don't think people realize it FaZe Clan only just won a major this year they've been in the game for fucking ages it spent bazillions and bazillions compared to what gambit did gambit won a major and then obviously even though it was online in 2021 Gambit was the number one team in the world when we were online. They were beating the Na'Vi team that was unbeatable on way. Every time online, it was just easy for them. They were just, just tooling them. And then the one people don't know, because I don't blame you, Valorant's not a very game with big overlap, is in Valorant, at one point in time last year, the best team was Gambit. And all you need to know is this, they even have the sort of vibe of the Genius Gambit teams in some of the other games, which are always about like innovative tactics and how you use your players. Because if you don't know, what's mad is in Valorant, when that team doesn't even succeed, when I interview all the players, they all tell me like behind the scenes like, we all actually just worship that Gambit team and think secretly they are the best and they, you know they should win everything. So what's mad is, as far as I can tell, they've done an amazing job scouting players in this org, getting by without paying them big salaries, keeping them in the same squads, building up like teams that make sense. So I think, actually, if you look at orgs in the world, the difference is some of the biggest ones now, what they do now is based on the amount of money they have, the resources and the things they can put. This team actually is like, this is like the spirit of how you build teams in esports. It's about like your eye for what you're doing or, even though now they've been ruined by corporate culture, it's about things like do you fit our org and our team, which again, people have bastardised that language, but it's a a very vital quality, I'd say. So the other thing I always thought was cool as well, there's almost like a theme to these teams if you look at them. They actually have like a style they seem to be building out. So I think for, again, the, the joke is in a way, Gambit, like, over exceeded because we even know their name and all this shit, but, like, I think they're mad underrated in that sense, yeah. Because the problem is, I think fans, I know this in the games I follow, they never understand, because the salaries aren't public, that, like, these teams aren't getting anywhere near the same resources. Like, they look at Gambit for that, and like, well, they're both sort of competitors, right? It's like, one of them had, like, probably ten times the other one's money and
2: opportunity and stuff. You think Gambit's more a reflection of the CIS region as a whole and just, like, its lack of publicity and and the fact that you know if if this was an organization in the west it would be a huge orc because just purely from results do you think that's true or do you think that's just you know gambit just
1: in, in a bit like if you've ever been to like china or korea they're just their own world like they care more just about their shit and their language and their culture and they it's actually them that don't really give much thought to the rest of the world like i i would imagine genuinely they would say something weird like It's maybe like not a good use of time to spend your time like translating everything or trying to appeal to us. I think their logic, by the way, because it's kind of the old school version of when you used to run an esports org as a business, would be just do Russian stuff because our sponsors are Russian, you know, like just appeal to our base, basically. You know, I think it'd be, I think that's the, that's probably the issue that I would say the Gambit org had. I would agree with Rich in that regard. They killed it in the game, but yeah, they didn't do that greater job. Like, like what's sad is all the shit I just said right now, they should have had someone sort of building that story up for themselves. They should have, that should have been built into like, like the I, I would have even marketed ourselves as, like, we're the ones who have, like, the scouting and all that shit with, like, the fucking pride of the CIS region or something. Yeah, they should have had some angle, probably. They didn't really. They were just a team. You know? And the,
0: the other thing is, as yeah. well, it's like, if you compare it to League and you might think, like, oh, but there's a huge proportion of fans who are super interested in, like, the Eastern teams and LCK and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, because it's, like, they don't look like us and it's the east and it's like a completely different world it's like there's an air and like the whole Kesper thing right it's like this air of mysticism around like why are koreans specifically like so good whereas we see or a lot of us in the west just see especially in europe see the cis region as oh they look like us they just don't speak our language so we're just not talking to each other but they're probably basically the same and as primitive as that might sound i actually do think there's a big part of it there are unironically i've spoken to so many players throughout the years especially in the formative years of uh, EU LCS, where when you talk to the players and they'll be like, oh yeah, but you know, this Korean player. Blah, blah. And I'd even say like, to someone like Yankos, I would say like, I actually don't even think this jungler is like as good as you. Like he's on a better team, sure, but I actually don't even think he's as good as you. And he'd be like, oh no, what, what him? No, what, that Korean player? Like they would put them on such ludicrous pedestals just because there was so much unknown, about these players and like the Korean system and Casper and all the rest of it that they just see the East as like or saw the east, the the walls broken down a little bit at least. And I think fans see it the same way as kind of this unattainable, like other worlds. They're almost like aliens in that sense. Whereas I said, CIS are basically Europeans who can't speak English. So it's like, they're like us, but we can't understand what they're saying. And I do think there's an element of that for sure, which is why there's much less fan interest. If the CIS region, if simple, obviously simple's an anomaly anyway, so there's simple interest. But if the CIS region was actually just Korea and all those players were Korean or whatever I guarantee you there'd be a lot more fan interest
2: Mm -hmm. that's actually an interesting point I think I'd agree with you honestly I think uh I don't know if this is too presumptuous to say but the fact that if 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 you you know if they're basically Europeans that don't speak English it's almost like it feels as though they're looked down on in that sense because if you don't speak english then it's almost like yeah that's the bar and if you're not if you don't reach that bar then whatever you're just part of the you're, you know you're cast aside a little bit whereas if you are <laughs> actually like you know chinese or, or or korean or something like that and that or maybe even now in the legends of the regional leagues as well like taking a look at like the french leagues and, and the spanish leagues and, and if you want to move over to brazil and stuff like that there are their own ecosystems that are just wildly different Um... By the way, as a pro tip,
1: if someone, obviously this wouldn't work for Russia anymore because of the current situation but if you're in a team where your team of players are like really good at the game but the problem is they don't speak English or they're like scared to or they don't think they're good enough I'm not joking it's, this is a real piece of advice if possible just encourage them to get a foreign girlfriend doesn't even have to be one that's from UK or England by the way like the idea is this is for real if they're from France and their girlfriend this is a famous example of people don't know, if they have girlfriends from Norway they're going to have to speak English to speak to her I'm not joking they will very quickly get acclimatised they won't have any fear whatsoever speak in English like I, I'm not joking I would have encouraged players to do that if I was in these teams because it's like you will just immediately be opened up to the Western world mate and you'll you'll have no problem sort of engaging and remember I'm not saying one could you just have everyone except your country basically just, go, just get someone people don't and realize it's fucking esports. come
0: on people don't realize though <laughs> so how much separation there is between especially mainland Russia and the rest of Europe like it might as well be fucking China in some respects like just because geometrically speaking it's not as far away Like those people, a lot of those people just live in their own fucking universe, even social media, like VK is a thing, like most of you probably don't even know what VK is. It's like Russian Facebook, like most Russians don't even use Facebook, like there's so there's so many intrinsic things in Russia where they just keep themselves to themselves and it's all internal. And yeah, just because they're close to, you know, Scandinavia on a map, those two places could not be further apart culturally.
2: That's, the, that that's the end of your NATO
1: commercial, there. <laughs>
2: sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Um. From a from, from a per, personal input on Gambit, I think like they were they were the first team that I really supported in league, um, Moscow Five, obviously. And uh, to your points as well, like they never really kind of appealed to the Western audience. I remember. It, it's a, a kind of a is it a sad memory or a good memory? Actually, I, I'm not sure. Sad in like a. Kind of cringy way but i remember um it was probably like i don't know 20 it must have been like 2012 or maybe 2013 i don't know it was ages ago at this point and diamond procs was like stream started his stream on twitch and he never streamed this was back in the day where like nobody really streamed and like if you were a pro player and you streamed like you would just you know get like loads and loads of views because everyone idolized you um he put his stream when i got out of bed to watch it i remember that um, because that was back when Twitch on phone was kind of wank, and you know, so the only real way to consume streams was on your desktop. I remember watching it, and uh, yeah, just like that, that kind of like it, you have that pool with the Western audience where you're getting me out of bed to watch his stream, but he streamed like once in his career you know that was it it was just like they didn't do any more with it and so you know there was definitely more they could do but as you say like if all your sponsors are in you know if they're all russian sponsors and i think as a culture you know you do keep yourself to yourself it is very different to to european european culture as well like why bother but it is sad regardless to see like they might be heading out of esports because yeah there's a there's a lot of uh history with that with that organization and uh, especially just it's honestly shocking what they've been able to achieve in multiple esports not just one title or two titles or whatever you know like multiple so there's games. even games
1: we don't know like i don't know the major esports obviously there might be some small game they were really good into i don't like know World yeah. of
0: tanks or something where it's <laughs> again just a cis only game really for those who don't this... know
2: there's, there's 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 a joke in there which we're not going to make and we're going to move on to our next topic <laughs> to talking about um from from one potential departure of the esports scene to um to 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 a re-entry into the esports scene shroud has come back uh, if you if you don't know shroud you well you probably you probably do as a massive huge streamer that he is nowadays um but he was an ex csgo uh, pro player uh, and now he's he's turned his his hands to becoming pro in uh, in Valorant. He played for Sentinels this this weekend in the NAVCT qualifiers, and he actually did pretty well. He top fragged in one of their maps. wasn't too bad at all. Um, my question isn't necessarily to talk about you know how his how that how that match went for him, but just in general as a as an eSporter... What do you think about Shroud? You know, because he he hasn't really given his full attention to esports. Do you think he's potentially like wasted talent in that regard? I'm sure Shroud is not upset with his decisions. I'm sure he's been breaking it in massively just by being a streamer. Um, but he's obviously quite a gifted player. Do you think he had the potential to be one of the best in the FPS scene, at least for NA talent? Uh, what do you think his his uh, future might hold as well? Being uh, playing on Valorant, do you think he'll stick out stick it out or go back to streaming? Um, Yeah, just in general. Give me your thoughts on Shrouds. I'll start with you, Thorne, on this one.
1: Right, if people don't know, when he's come to Valorant now, because it's potentially like half PR stunt to get them into the like semi-franchising thing, he's not even the star player of the team, by the way. They essentially use him. I think he does like the smokes or something. He does like one of the like... He's one of the, like, role players, basically. Now, what's funny is, even though, like, from the rep, that seems totally inappropriate, that's entirely appropriate if you know the way Shroud played CSGO. Like, the problem Shroud had in CSGO was this. The talent was undeniable. Like, you could just go and watch him go off the pro match and go onto his stream and see, wow, this guy's fucking aim's amazing. He actually is. Like, all those streams, he's just killing everyone. He's got fucking bonkers, pixel perfect aim. But the problem is, I genuinely think he's an example, basically. The analogy, if you know League of Legends, is he's a scrim god. He's a guy where when there's no pressure, it, all his skills are on display, and he's a fucking amazing. And he genuinely people don't realise, especially with NA players, he was one of the most skilled they ever had. Like I picked him for me years before they actually were. I actually had him and Skadoodle were the two obvious ones that should make it to the top. But sadly, they both ended up having the same problem, if you know their careers, which is when they had Sean Gares or like a dominant in-game leader who, to some degree, I wouldn't say micro, because it's not as simple as that, but I'd say like sets them up, like knows how to get them going in a game, knows how to push them a little bit, then they would be they could use this skill and take over the game. The problem was though, Counter Strike, especially, it's a bit like basketball. If you're the star player, like no one's really running players for you, mate. You just figure it out yourself. You're the star player. You have the green light. You do what you want. That's the problem. If he had, if he understood the concept of a green light, he's somebody who didn't want to go. He wanted to play, drive conservatively. In this analogy, so the problem was when he, especially when he wasn't in the Sean Gares teams, he just sort of became just a whatever player. Like he was just a, just a player in a seat, and he was just okay at the game. And if, believe it or not, even though some of those Cloud Nine teams would sometimes make a run in tournaments, he was the worst player on the team or second to worst. Or whatever, and his stats went pretty bad, and he would look fairly vanilla in the game. So it, here's the problem. In a sense, I feel like. He didn't max out his talent because I don't think I ever properly got to see the talent come through. Like, like I say, there was a brief period, probably like, uh, let's say, like a year maybe, when he was with Sean Guess it looked very good. But even then, you thought he still hasn't gone to the top. Like, he's not like simple level, etc. Whereas, yeah, and put it this I've just I've seen it. I I'm not a big stream watcher, but I've seen enough hours of Shroud playing other games. That, like, he has to be fucking mega at games. it's clearly obviously is. But this is the problem with competition. That's why people always say it, even though it's it's an exaggeration. Competition is like ninety percent mental. It's because the mental aspect can just shut down all the rest. That's why it's such an, like an enigmatic aspect. So to some degree, I do think he did. But then again, I also think his t- like who he is as a person, as much as that sounds like an outrageous thing to say, seems mm-hmm. to just fit being a streamer more, you know? So I don't. Right. I, I personally imagine he'll probably do like a few months in Valorant or six months or whatever. I, I don't think it's f- his future, though. Like, I also think he'll eventually just get sick of the shit aspects of being a pro and just go back and be a streamer again, you know? It's one of those yeah. grass is greener moments, I think.
2: I think honestly being a streamer is just so, so much better than being a, a professional player as far as as far as the individual is concerned like it's it's as far as you know structure goes uh, and your scheduling and how much money you make and all that stuff like it's it's mental but um yeah Rich what do you think about about Shroud do you think he had the potential to be maybe one of the like a like a, like a mega eSporter from the NA scene or do you think he's just really suits being a streamer better and uh you know this Valorant thing is just a pr thing and it's not long lived
0: well i don't actually think it's a pr thing well i would say i actually think thorin nailed it because to me the answer of the question is kind of yes and no and i'm gonna give some real context here which i think a lot of people won't really know or fully understand as to why i think shroud could have been unbelievable but at the same time I don't because as Thorin said, like the problem is so much of it's mental and so much of those aspects played in, which I'll get into in a second. But I would also preface this by saying because of my personal experiences as well, I am kind of biased towards Shroud, I guess in a sense. And I've always been a sucker for like pure mechanical raw ability when it comes to FPS games. That's like, that's my absolute shit. That's the shit I gravitate towards. Um, But yeah, I, I think he could have potentially been like a top tier player if he'd been fully motivated and as i'll get into a second i don't think he was ever even when he was playing csgo full-time as a pro player i don't think he was taking it seriously at all just just to be completely honest based on the things that i know um but what i would say and this is maybe a bit of a hot take i think shroud is probably the most naturally gifted fps player i've ever seen um and to give some context to this as i said of all the games by the way that shroud has been associated with he's probably most famous for pubg not even, you know, if you think about his rise of a stream or whatever, that's from PUBG. It's not from CSGO. Obviously, he had the platform from CSGO. And as Thorin said, he was the king of Reddit, wasn't he? It was always like, oh, which Shroud, Shroud clip is top of Reddit. And that kind of sums up his skill level. But as I said, PUBG, which was a game he didn't even consistently play competitively. competitively but I can tell you, as not, and this, not as a random pleb viewer, but as someone who's literally played against Shroud and has played against basically all the best non-Asian players in the world... Because for those people who don't know, when PUBG came out, I played that game a lot. I actually played tournaments. I played fucking Star Ladder. I was playing this game to shit, and Shroud was the most talented player I have played against until a, a guy ca- called Uber came along, who's basically simple of uh, PUBG. Uh, he's from CIS region as well, would you believe? And yeah, and. Wait,
1: what you're saying there that's a, that's probably the detail they don't get I actually you're right PUBG is actually what made him the superstar yes. made him go viral the joke is it wasn't from CSGO if you remember all the clips that were on the top of those reddits were the ones where he just drops in with like nothing and like lands on a shotgun and kills like five people as they all spawn him. like that was it was all those games wasn't it
0: yeah and to to, to... So this doesn't get dismissed offhand as well. People forget PUBG is literally the most popular Steam game of all time by a mile. To give you some context, obviously now it's not. But to give you some context, CSGO typically averages around five to 600,000 concurrent players. PUBG was averaging over 1.5 million. 1.3 million regularly for like the first uh, year of its life cycle. It was not some niche game. And there were loads of tournaments, and this taps into exactly what Thorin was saying. There were loads of tournaments around, which were marketed as like casual tournaments, but actually had like a lot of prize money and so on, like six figure prize money for like Twitch fucking rivals. This was not like League of Legends Twitch rivals where it's like, ha Tyler, one of no, like all the pros were entering these tournaments and they would actively, for people who don't know how PUBG works, it has a global kill feed. So if you hear the sound of a specific gun and then you see that, like you hear an AWP go off, for example, and then you see someone die to an ORP, you can tell where that specific player is. Pro players would run from Shroud. They were fucking terrified of him, unironically. They were playing in these tournaments, which by the way, in the West at the time, in the formative stage of PUBG, they were not on like, you know, it's not like League of Legends where if you're signed to an AWP, you're getting 20 grand a month to play PUBG. Spoiler: You're probably getting five hundred to fifteen hundred, maybe. So playing for it in a six-figure tournament, even if it is Twitch Rivals or whatever, that's a big fucking deal. That is the biggest shit you're doing for the next three months or whatever. And these pro players would sprint for their fucking lives away from Shroud because they knew he was so much better than they were, and he was. But again, and Shroud would shine in these tournaments, by the way. He won, like, ridiculous... Again, consider that, you know, uh, not in a pro game. In a pro game, only 60 people drop into the map. But still, 60 people are playing uh, in your game, and he had, like, a 35% win rate. That's fucking wild. In pro play, by the way, I'm not talking about when he drops in on a server and he's fucking around. But I actually think, weirdly, if these had been billed as like an ESL tournament, like an IEM or whatever, I think Shroud would have choked it. I think Troud is just nervous. Like, I think his natural disposition is he is a nervous player. I think he's a choker. And as Thorin said, I think he's a scrim god. I think he's never had the mental mindset for pro play on two levels. One, exactly that. I think he's a choker and he gets nervous. And two, I don't think he ever dedicated himself at all, even to Counter-Strike. Famously... Uh, when Trout was on those those Cloud9 teams, and by the way, people forget that Trout was not on the major team, by the way. He was on the team that like lost, oh, sorry, won. Jokers is I mean,
1: firing him as what helped them win the major. Yeah, exactly. True.
0: But just before he stopped <laughs> playing completely, he would tell teammates that he didn't want to scrim because he wanted to stream, right? And I don't think in a malicious way or a nefarious way, like Shroud's a smart guy. I think he's also not a selfish guy at all. I think he was basically telling them like, look, I don't think I should be here, essentially. I think he was very self, like very conscious of that. But I don't think he was ever truly motivated to play the game and the reason why I say yes but also no to answer the question is because I think if you took someone else's mindset and inserted it into Shroud you could have one of the best ever certainly NA players easily but in CSGO specifically. But he's just not wired like that. He's just not built like that. I mean, famously, teammates like Freakazoid said, you know, Shroud is the best pure aimer of all time in CS. I wouldn't go that far, but he's certainly up there. Again, if you watch the clips, if you watch from, you know, scrims or playing on stream or whatever, but he never even replicated the aim to my mind in pro games. He'd have a map, especially against in a match they're supposed to win where it's like oh shroud gets 30 kills and it's just like one tapping like prime scream or something yeah sure but as soon as it came to the crunch moments as soon as it's like okay you're on a bit of a purple streak here shroud carry us to the promised land never happened did it never happened and i think that he just as thorin said i think ultimately he's just not wild like that when it comes to valorant as well by the way I don't think it's a PR thing. I think he's literally doing it to help out his friends on Sentinels because basically, for those who don't know, they're essentially a player short for this qualifier. And he basically said he'd fill in. And when someone asked him about, you know, I, I, someone asked him like, who would you rather play in the next round? Hundred of Thieves or, or whatever. And he said, I don't care. What's ever's easiest to like help my team win. And it wasn't like, oh, I don't care. Like my, you know, Michael Jordan being like, I don't care. Just put whoever in front of me and I'll dunk on it. It wasn't like that at all. It was like, I legitimately don't care. I only care so far as I'm here to help my team win and then I'm piecing. Like, I think as soon as this event's gone, he's gone. Or maybe he'll say, you can still list me on the team until franchising application's gone through or something like that. But he's there to help out his teammates. I've seen zero enthusiasm from him whatsoever for being back in competitive Valorant. And, I, and keep in mind, he hasn't played pro play for years, right? So he should be, if anything, getting the nice little dead cat bounce of, you know, feeling a bit pumped. He's not at all. He's not fast. He's just there to do his teammates a favor. So, yeah, I, I think from a talent perspective or pure mechanical perspective, easily one of the greatest play. And if you take the whole pantheon of FPS games, I think he is the most talented FPS player of all time, simply because... If you give him a new FPS game, he'll immediately be like top one percent. Just immediately, instantaneously. But he's not a simple level talent in any specific game, as I said. Other than arguably from a talent perspective in PUBG, he kind of was a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think he's wired right. I think I think Thorin nailed it more concisely than I did that yeah, basically he's not wired for the game or to be competitive
2: well he proves it as you mentioned whenever a new game comes out i think that's why he's so successful as a streamer because you know as you as you mentioned like when he was playing PUBG, like he was really good at that but getting all those clips getting those montage moments you know that's that's the publicity that needs to grow as a streamer but also you know it, it, it's further than just being good at that one game whenever any of these new games comes out uh he he, he hops on them which is what you want to do as a streamer obviously And he's immediately, immediately like one of the best, just straight up, like hands down. Um, Admittedly, I didn't know much about his like competitive past. It it does surprise me to hear both of you talk so highly of him. Um, And I guess it's a bit of a what if scenario, but uh, I'm curious to see like. What happens with the with the whole Sentinel scenario? Like, to be honest, I'm I i do not know whether it's even a cynical take, but I, I I'm not expecting him to to stick around. I think once you've once you've had a sip of the streamer juice, especially when you're as big as Shroud is, like I can't imagine. And if what you guys say about his his mentality as well is 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 even halfway accurate, then. I can't imagine why he'd even be interested in sticking around to the competitive scene The thing is as
1: well though mate, there's also another factor which is like if you know that team in Valorant because they, like now it's now like a year and a half or something since says they're the best but they used to be the best and they had all the talents and it was like a superstar it's basically like the FaZe Clan if you don't know see us go it's like the FaZe Clan of like Valorant the problem is right, they've basically, as their results went down they've been do- doing like every form of defence and PR to like not have to cut players and bring in a coach and bring in a proper in-game leader and stuff, so I also think this is another in the never-ending list of things that you do to delay your org from having to do what you would inevitably do, which is probably change players or update the team. But there, one thing to quickly sell on that point you make there, which is obviously a very accurate one, which is that Shroud farms all the new games, and in fact, famously with like, if you know for games like Apex Legends, these guys were even making that like a business model, you would just get paid mad money on the opening weekend to stream it, get all the viewership up, and then you fuck off. One thing I'd say, right, is it's very easy because Peter used to do the same thing to Fatality, famously when he used to do this in esports, come to a new game, win the first big tournaments, people. People always say about that, like, nah, it's, sort of like you just, it's not that great, is it? Because you're just beating people at the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. right? If you don't know, that is incredibly impressive because I could tell you right now, take tell me your top five European League of Legends players of all time, right? Boom, I'm taking them. I'm going to drop them in a brand new MOBA. I'll bet four out of five of them are nowhere near the top of the first few weeks. Like I'll bet one maybe does. Or one, like it, people do not transition between games like that. And by the way, FPS games can be really brutal. I've seen some of the greatest Quake duelers of all time, people with godlike game, just be average as fuck and they put in like three years in cs mate it just wasn't the game for them so actually that's mad impressive that every game you're just sick out the gates like that's just raw skill that's that's pure ability mate yeah
2: is and that's not that's i would love to see i would love to have seen that in a competitive standpoint but i also just think like it's it's unrealistic and you're not going to see it honestly at this point like i i don't see why he would honestly um is there anything else you want to add on to the shroud talk before oh, no. we move Oh, no, we're all done. We're all done with Shroud because uh, we've got some super week stuff to talk about with the, with the League of Legends scene here because it is the final week of of LEC, and uh, we all know LEC is uh, clearly the, the greatest uh, League of Legends league in, in, in the world, uh, and we have got some spicy potential spicy finishes here for the playoff spot. That I will say the last playoff spot is a is a realistic way to describe this, but potentially even. Maybe. When they do
1: this, because this is a thing they love to do, you'll notice in League of Legends specifically. I've never seen it in another game, by the way. This thing of like, I'm calculating the odds. Hmm. You haven't calculated the odds, you idiot. Yeah. You cannot know what's going to happen in the game. Yeah. You actually have used zero real world variables. All you've done is say, if computers were identically equal and they played out these games, like essentially how many it's a Doctor Strange thing from fucking like um, whatever it is Infinity War is it it's like how many worlds is there in which you would go through so what they mean is if in all this that's why for example the one that's ridiculous is if you go to number two G2 Esports is eight, 98.5% to go in the playoffs now you're going fuck it so it's not 100% right guys think it through if it's 1.5% that they don't that probably means something like they after 0-3 probably like some shit team has to 3-0 then exactly like four teams have to all beat each other in exact order and that's the only possible way that these guys don't like Like essentially you could all of them that are above 90 just take that as they're in yeah. like that's why you're right it's just the last spot if we're being real like yeah. it'd have to be so crazy a scenario that it's probably not even worth thinking about for the others you
2: know it does say playoffs race percentage of scenarios there you go playoffs, there you so. go so it is, you know, it's not a realistic like they have a ninety-eight point five percent chance of getting in. I guess it's easy, it's easy to phrase it like that, but you're right, like it is. That's a guaranteed lock as far as you two's concerned. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Are you going to put this image on on the screen, Rich, when you edit this in, like the the scenarios, or do you want me to like list? I guess it out I have
0: here? to now, or I sound yeah. like a bit of a dick if I say yeah. no. Nah. <laughs> Actually, no, I will. I say no. Nah, fuck it. It's on LEC's Twitter feed. Go look at it.
2: Okay, so essentially, Mad Lions are the only team that's a hundred percent locked in, like statistically. Uh, but then you've got G2 in second, Vitality in third, Rogue in fourth, and Misfits in fifth. All of those teams have over a ninety percent chance of of ninety percent chance of taking it, whatever ninety the percent scenarios they get in. And then there's just one more playoff spot, and it's between Astralis, Excel, and Fnatic. Technically, SK can get in as well, but SK only have a 9.8% chance and everyone else is 30% and above. So it's essentially a three-horse race for this last spot, Astralis, XL, and Fnatic. And uh, the strength of schedule is as follows. Fn- uh, Fnatic plays Astralis, Vitality, and Misfits. Astralis plays Fnatic, Madlines, and then XL. And XL plays Rogue, SK, and Astralis. So honestly, re- it seems like somewhat even strength of schedule across the board. Like you've got one kind of, it feels like they're, um, each of these teams will be, will be playing each other at some point as well. Not, not all of them playing each other, but you, you'll get at least one game versus one of your, your, your rivals here for this last spot. Um, It's, it's kind of it's really difficult to call i'll be honest i'm not really sure who's gonna who's gonna make this last spot but that, fortunately i don't need to give my opinion because that's what <laughs> i got you tickets here for so thorin who's gonna take this last spot astralis excel fanatic maybe sk uh who have who, you got your money on see there's the problem I,
1: there are so many ways that you can make this look super close and super interesting but i actually think if you add the factors together the most obvious team is just Excel. And it's not at all for what you're all going to think. It's, I'm not saying Excel's definitely better than Fnatic. I'm not saying the Straws can't win any of these games. First of all, the obvious first thing to say is they're all tied. So when you play these last three games, effectively, whoever wins more than the three games is going to go through. But there's a fact that people forget Excel is 2-0 for Fnatic in the head-to-head. So Fnatic can't be tied head-to-head. So already Excel essentially has like a game advantage if they can get even. And then secondly, of those strengths and schedules, they have the best they play one good team, but then they play the two, t- they play Astralis and SK, so essentially it's on XL, like if you want to go through, beat Astralis and SK and you're through, to, that's all, that's game over, you've done it already, well, unless, there's the, unless the team three's heroes, obviously, but that's why the, the real joke of it all is, this is where my actual pick from the beginning of the fucking show this season could end up being a banger, isn't it, because the joke is the team that plays them both, but isn't going to go through, because Astralis has an absurd, absurd schedule, they're not winning all three of those, but since they play both Fnatic and XL, just the Astralis game could be the hinge for those two teams like astralis can play a spoiler potentially for the playoffs and by the way how fucking insane would it be if this astralis lineup stops the fanatic super team from even making the playoffs that w- by the way if that happens like, i'm sorry humanoid you probably should just be fired on the spot mate like like as i say because first of all like already the idea uh, like i'll tell you the other reason uh, if we're going on an actual like read in game like a little bit of eye test that also sort of tells you where fanatics dropped to now. That, like, I'm already saying that, like, XL strength of schedule means they win because on paper, Fnatic's supposed to beat all these teams! The joke is none of these teams should be able to beat them. So I think if the problem is Astralis basically plays some of the best teams at least over the whole splits, so I don't think they can do it. Like I say, Fnatic has a, a disadvantage against XL. And so even though, by the way, XL might not even look good. They've looked fucking dreadful the last few weeks. and they, They're going into some sort of like a slump. It looks like uh, bizarrely, maybe because they missed all those other playoffs. Finally, the universe has fucking colluded on one of these to like always get them through no matter what it seems like. So unless someone like the Fnatic, you know, unless we have like the humanoid wakes up in three zeros, I feel like it's going to be XL.
2: I think that's honestly I, I said it was kind of tough to call but looking at I you just I add love them the together you know yeah I love the fact that that they all play like that there's it feels like they they a fate is kind of somewhat in their hands a little bit you know because Fnatic plays Astralis uh, obviously Astralis playing Fnatic and Excel uh, and, and Excel playing Astralis. It would be funny as fuck if Astralis 3-0 would somehow. Uh, <laughs> that would actually yeah. be hilarious. Well, know. they have high, high percentage of scenarios. You know, the well, are... here's
1: the, here's the one, thing, here's one thing I'll have to just say, just for the sake of fairness. I will say I despise the fact that essentially if you're playing against Astralis this week and you're like mad lions, you should just lose. You should just you should yeah. you should pick a troll comp and lose because it increases the chances of Fnatic not making it. Like first of all, you'd rather have Astralis than both XL and Fnatic, and you definitely. By the way, spoiler: no, no, team wants Fnatic in the playoffs. I don't care how bad they are; like they just have a, an outside crazy punches chance. So even though it's a, it's an aside, like I don't like any scenario. By the way, where essentially you can be incentivized to lose, I, I don't think that's a good thing. I
0: do think I'm not one hundred percent sure on this. Me and Kira were trying to work this out for ages, but I do actually think that doesn't apply here because I believe that whoever locks first place and obviously all these teams in the top 5 can lock first place this week if mad lock first they'll go to worlds is my understanding that they actually just lock they lock a world slot because remember EU has four world slots this year so the way the championship points thing all manifests if you, and you get a buy essentially or whatever or you're guaranteed to be in the next bracket if you finish first i actually think mad lock a world slot if they come first place so hopefully every game will be meaningful in that sense and all the teams just below them obviously are all on the same amount of wins and one behind mad so if on the first day g2 beat mad which you'd have to say based on form they're probably favored to statistically now to win that game then every single team below them is in must-win territory because all of those teams have massive world implications based on just where they finish in regular season. So while I te- I agree with that completely, it's terrible when you have like dead robbers, essentially, I think that that probably shouldn't apply here because I think all these teams theoretically need to win every game to try and um, put themselves in that position. Um, yeah, I mean, from my, my perspective, I would like to... And by the way, the best way to sum up fanatic season as i said it's kind of a bit disingenuous because of how close the table is but fanatic right here right now are in eighth place out of 10 teams Eighth place. That go look at that fucking roster. Put that roster in the middle of yeah. your screen. That's in eighth place out of ten teams. Eighth place in a region which is it like most people would say like EU's slumping a little bit this season, and they are the eighth best team in a slumping region. That's a fucking disgrace. And this is why, by the way, and I said this they on They never
1: uh, filter to make playoffs, obviously. They've always been a playoff team. Yeah,
0: yeah. And th- this is why, oh, by yeah. the way, I, I said this on Euroleague as well. This is the one time where, again, I wouldn't that more on Fnatic fan who tweeted or whatever. If if Fnatic fans were legitimately being like, I do kind of feel like you guys owe us an explanation for how this has happened, I'd maybe co-sign that a little bit. You know, I wouldn't say they deserve to know everything, but yeah, I would probably try and give some insight. You can't just sign one of the best rosters ever assembled in Europe come eighth and then nope, next season, like, no, sorry, you have to say something. Like, that's fucking ridiculous. So if they don't make it, then, yeah, they need to explain themselves. In terms of what I'd like to see, I would like to see Astralis make it. As much as I don't like the organization, I just think this group of five players has no business making it into playoffs. And I just think it'd be really funny, especially given the context of what's happened to Fnatic and how well XL started. I mean, we were saying during the start of the the, the split that, that they were like, I test wise, they were the best team in Europe. For the first half of the split, XL were literally the best team in Europe. They had the best early games, they had really solid team fighting. Marcoon was an MVP candidate. Like, it was it's mental to think that th- it's mental to think that last split was the split that they made playoffs finally, and that this split they might not even make it in. It's actually crazy. And I have to say, and you know, don't want to single people out too much, or whatever, but Finn. Has turned into the absolute disaster he was before he joined XL. Like these past, how many weeks? It's ridiculous. And mid jungle seemed to have lost the plot a little bit as well. I don't know if that's because because people have been zoning in so much on what Marcoon's been doing and how he got successes and they've just shut him down or or what. But yeah, the whole top side of the map seems to have just gone completely to shit. But as Thorin said, in theory, and this is the way I would put it as well. Uh, uh, also take the head head to head thing and put that to one side for a moment if you just look at the three games the only game you can look at in all three of those schedules is the xlsk game where you should be able to say as long as both teams play at a seven out of ten level that should be a lock win that is the only game on that entire schedule which should be a lock win xl being sk so just by that virtue i've got one win in theory and all the other games are very competitive on paper so I think XL has to be favoured, and because, as Thorin said, that they own the head-to-head over Fnatic. So XL has to be the most likely, but I want Astralis to do it. I think I think that would be a banger. That's what I'd like to see.
2: I, think I also it think people are first.
1: forgetting, like, one detail that's made this split really bad, as Rich touched on, if you go and watch that, like, mid-split one we did, you're going to wonder what the fuck we're talking about yeah. because a bunch of those teams just fell off, didn't they? So as a result, I feel like people are still forgetting because they've got the hangover of, like, these were the top teams like it looks when you look like at the fucking um when you look at the fanatic lineup it looks like oh, they all they have to do is beat vitality and misfits they're like the two best teams in the league right now like that's yeah. not that suddenly that became a really hard stunt to schedule even though in the middle of this but that would be a joke you know
0: but the, by the yeah. way that's exactly why i always wanted to do the mid-season awards thing because people will just completely forget the context when the season's over like they'll be like what do you mean or, like, as you say it's flipped on its head entirely. Misfits went on a crazy, I think eight wins out of nine run or something. Vitality completely turned their season around. But if you watch the mid-season show, you'd be like, what? Aren't those the two worst teams in the league? It's like, yeah, that's the point. That's why it's important to contextualize these things and not just be like, oh, who won the split this year? Uh, Let's put all five of his teammates in all pro. It's like, no, definitely not. I was saying again, this on my other show, like Alfari has been the best top laner in the second half of the split. He was arguably bottom two in the first half of the split. And that's good context to know the cunt might actually win first team all pro for top lane and by the way i'm not even necessarily saying that that would be undeserved probably it would because if you tank that many games in the first half of the split probably there's someone who's been better and more consistent but still that's why the show exists because all of you would fucking forget if you didn't and now there's at least a point of reference where you can click back and be like oh okay actually that wasn't my reality for eternity just perpetual same level gameplay the whole way through
2: it's always the way with with the end of season awards, whatever esports or real sports. If you can't quantify the data, like you know, most goals scored or, or whatever, uh, then the first half of the season always gets forgotten, and it's very back ended. You know, like it's 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 very it's very back heavy in that sense. Um, let's let's keep on topic of of League of Legends, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll time skip a little bit here. We're not talking about 2022 playoffs, we're talking about 2023 with the introduction of Heretics coming into the LEC. Now, if you've been uh, out of the loop here, Heretics is the new organization that's going to be replacing Misfits. Misfits have sold their spot and Heretics are coming in. Uh, Heretics is a, is a Spanish organization, and there was an interview with Dexerto and the Heretics owner, Arno Arnaud Vidal. I've probably butchered that name, as we English people do with anyone not called Kevin James. Uh, he says, speaking on the potential roster coming into 2023 for Heretics, he says, obviously we want to have the best team possible, but we want to do that sensibly meaning he's not going to have the best team possible, he says. And at the same time, giving opportunities to the Spanish scene is something that we'd really love to do and something that's definitely in our minds is our plan to do that. But obviously the talent in the scene is limited, so that decision is not entirely in our hands. He says to expect a few difficult years to begin with, suggesting that the team might have to start small and over time grow their staff and infrastructure. So, sounds like we shouldn't really expect too much from this organization to uh, begin their introduction into the LEC. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on these comments from the Heretics owner. What you think about uh, the team coming in after after reading this interview. Uh, and just, yeah, just, just tell me what you think about it. Rich, I'll start with you first.
0: To me, this is literally just... Red flag, red flag, red flag. Tick, 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 tick. Like, are you just just come out and say you're going to be Spanish BDS at this point? Like, just come out and say it. First of all, on the Spanish side, what's worth noting is that heretics, for people who don't know, they have a Spanish LVP team, okay? And they don't have any Spanish players in it. They don't even have any Spanish players in their LVP team. So now you're coming in and you're basically saying like, yeah, we think it's really important to focus on the Spanish team and give them opportunity. By the way, saying something like the decision is not in our hands is one of the stupid, most asinine things you can say as a general manager of an organization. Objectively, the decision is in your hands. is specifically your decision. It's no one else's decision, is it? That's ridiculous. But this idea that you're going to focus on a a, a national, some kind of national identity – when roster building makes no sense on multiple levels first of all people forget There are already Spanish organisations in the LEC, and that has not done anything for them. One, by the way, and this may surprise you, obviously G2. And when I say, you know, it's not like G2 have branded themselves badly or whatever. Obviously, G2 have a mega brand. But it's not like they've in on the Spanish brand. And all the people from Spain who are super excited about G2 are Flax fans, or just have been, like, following Carlos's journey from, you know, uh, way back when. So they're sort of happy and proud about that. But as i said on on twitter or whatever it's not like every time g2 win it's like vamos g2 like you don't have this legion of like spanish fans because they've identified as a spanish org they're just identifying with a specific couple of individuals mad lions another one mad lions are a spanish org they have no fans as far as i can see let alone spanish fans so th- you're going to be the third spanish team potentially by the way the third slash fourth Spanish team because it's highly likely spoiler alert I guess that COI are going to buy in or do a partnership or something at the end of next year as well so there'll be four Spanish organisations potentially in the league three at a minimum and your identity is going to be we're going to try and give opportunity to Spanish people again ask BDS how that went for them and when they built around Adam and Nuclear fucking in like how's that going like no one in no one in France gives a fuck about BDS no one in LEC fandom gives a fuck about BDS so this idea that not only are you coupling that mindset with the idea that it's going to be like a slow ramp up of a few years like fucking hell like i'm not one of these people who's like well if they paid the entrance fee then that means that they should spend loads of money but come on you've got to have some kind of plan about how you're going to garner some public interest here like this literally looks from the outset to be really fucking boring, for lack of a better word. And now it looks even worse. It looks like we're actually doomed to basically have Spanish BDS in the league next season. I can't read anything else into this. Obviously, he could be lying or not showing his hand. But, you know, uh, here's a tip if that is the case for any GM out there don't fucking put a front up was say uh, that we you know there's months before you get into the league and you're going to build anticipation by lying and going to say you'll do you'll do something really boring that's not the play if you are secretly going to go after the big name so this to me just looks like a fucking shambles from the outset and i could not be less excited for this team in fact i was more excited for bds than i was for heretics at this
2: point absolutely and uh thorin what are your thoughts on uh, on this interview and your thoughts on heretics coming into 2023
1: Look, don't break out in hives when I say, I hate to say I told you so. Isn't this literally what I told everyone would happen? I said literally, this is like BDS 2.0, isn't it? This is exactly why you wouldn't want these teams to buy in because they are not coming to make teams. And this is the key point I'm going to make. It's the other way around, you idiots. You all think, LXE is going to get better when these teams join. We're going to lose Schalke and Misfits. These were perennial playoff teams. These were teams who got really good min-max talents. Spoiler, some of those talents are now in the top teams in the top teams. In the league some of them are mvps of the league and we're bringing in bottom feeders we're bringing in another team to be at the bottom of the league and here's my problem from the outset with this whole post is if you know esports, it is the most bullshit, optics-driven lies, disingenuous statements industry of all time there are fuck all people giving sensible tempered statements, so spoiler unfortunately I can't go, well actually I respect this because if you are going to join and you know you don't have a big budget, you should temper expectations and it is something that should take years to build up and you've got to get the right coaching staff and the right scouting, because here's the problem he's not doing it for that reason, he's doing it for this reason because he knows it's going to be shit and he knows they're not going to spend any money, so he's actually trying to temper your anger in the future so that every dickhead fan can for the first year go but he told you there wouldn't be a all he said it would take a few years essentially the joke here by the way and by the way I'll add this bit in as well if you actually even take that at face value and believe it you are an utter fucking fool and you want to buy some fucking magic beans and a bridge you stupid idiot because here's the other premise you know those years it might take to build up they might just sell in years for more money and just be out they might not even fucking be here in the long run because that's the problem it does also sound brilliant if you're going to be an IC for tw- 10 years, take a couple to build up, make it a real project. You want to become a top org, you don't want to just float into a roster and lose the players like this misfits one. Yeah, that'd be true, but it's just not, this is just obviously like you're saying one thing when you really mean another. So, by the way, one thing I'll say is this I actually, this is one of my things I love, which is when I get actual statements I can work with because you can always tear them apart and they're just full of shite. There's nothing behind them. It's just like, oh, pull back this curtain. There, yeah, there's the guy who runs the words of the roz machine. Yeah, it's just full of shitting. No, this is real. So, I'll take a few of these statements. He said, obviously, when he said like you know we want to have the best team possible like if the sentence doesn't end there yeah. and there's a bot we're already fucked and the bot is yeah. but we want to do that sensibly now I'll say colloquially you could say sensibly as in we're not going to like pay outrageous like over the top salaries and we're going to try and like you know get value for money the problem with this is if you just go in like an objective sense there's not a single signing in eSports even the cheapest player is not sensible it's not It's not a sensible industry it's an industry where you lose money in the future to one day make money it's the definition of throwing bad money after good money so there's no sensible signing that just means you're going to spend fuck all money, which is really depressing. Because the joke is, it's not a, like that would be like a Premier League team. Well, we got in the Premiership, so we're probably going to be sensible with our signings the top of the league is the most rich evil people in the world just pouring money down people's throats so they all come and win the league you idiot that's the last thing you want to hear if you're a fan of that team and then your mate's are fucking like Man City fan you like, oh brilliant oh, are, you, are you guys being no nah, not sensible again not, nah shit my team's being sensible again this season I guess we're 14th place then you go to the part where they say the Spanish angle that is so cynical as you say which is fucking unbelievable because here's the problem I actually think if you know the way currently the esports model still is based on eyeball and engagement with social media posts. Actually, the idea of a vaguely national team is a brilliant idea for marketing. But And the annoying thing to me is this as well. Because it's Europe and in League of Legends, we already have all mixed teams and there are no teams that are all from one country. It could even work. Like, spoiler, Carlos Ocelot and Xpeque are fucking Spanish. Mithy is Spanish. Some of the greatest players of all time were Spanish. You could totally run a legit team where you just have like an Xequi in the past plus other players and get all the Spanish fans in the modern day. By the way, I'm thinking of an obvious name immediately. They could sign that would be a minimum. Get Razork. There you go. Build your team around him. We're going to make him a you know. In fact, that even do that angle. Obviously, they put too many stars around him and like we're going to like allow him to then become the captain of the team and then he's going to pick out players and going to. Be, that'd even be a great angle. Here's the problem though. Just like I did with the business angle, that's not why they're telling you it that way they're telling you it this way so they have an excuse to sign a shit Spanish player and put him in this spot (laughs) what that means by the way is they've just tricked you into allowing them to pay even less for a player because his flag's what's going to carry the game not the fucking player inside the server so I hate that angle already because by the way you actually could as BDS if they'd been good could have built up a big fan base just off having these players if you if you'd have marketed right that could be an interesting angle it's why if if there's an there's a point Monty keeps making on someone inside that's totally going over all the heads of fans. Because this is one of those areas where if you're an interviewer or a talk show host, a key skill is you have to also be able to tell as someone's talking, like, oh, they're not quite understanding what I'm saying or he's not, he's he's getting like crossed wires with him and you have to like jump in, right? So Monty always makes this point that he thinks in the future, Immortals will just cut all their players and when they make that rule where all the minor regions don't count as imports, they will just make a full Brazilian roster in LCS. Now fans are like, What? because they don't realise Immortals Gaming Club owns MIBR brand in CSGO and it's just guaranteed viewership. So what they're going to do is if there's no restrictions, if they just put five Brazilian players in LCS, they'll be like the second most viewed team in the league yeah. tomorrow, even if they're the worst team. Like, it's an obvious market move. It's actually the industry's behind that. They don't know what he's talking about when he says that. So that angle is legit. It's basically, if you don't know why LEC is so vibrant now, because it now, I always thought this was just going to be like a fucking shot. It does rest upon the ERLs. And that is even what's spawning the fan base. This is how it seems like if you look at all the ultras and all groups that roam around like some post-apocalyptic fucking hellscape on Twitter, just ratioing people. So there's Mm. all that. And then here's another angle as well. When he says that dreaded word, the word that should kill all the hype is the word years. Mm. Brother. Not even like a split or Years! You're just telling me I have to buckle in and then like see you in 2027. Fuck off. Because not least, because here's why that's so Gross. Because in League of Legends, especially because, remember, you can get lucky and you can have players who are just way better than the salary costs of the buyout, which, by the way, that barely exists in other spots. Like, you have to be like Arsene Wenger and be like balls deeper like the Cameroon League if you want to get some guy who's actually world-class for no money. Like, because the point is those are over-scouted games. In League of Legends, as Astralis just showed you, you could trip over and find a young home guy who's like the fourth-best support in the whole league and be like, oh, we're in ge-. He's even telling you, don't expect us to do that for years. What? You're not even going to fucking tickle my balls as you fuck me up the ass. What the fuck is this? This is outrageous mate. Give me a break. So I think the whole thing's mental. And then even that sentence, this is so wild. Who, why the fuck are you buying into LEC? If you would dare say the sentence, talent is limited. By definition, talent is not limited because only 10 teams can be in the league. There are only 50 starters. So you're telling me essentially, he hasn't thought this through at all. Barely more than 50 good players in League of Legends in Europe. Then why are you buying in the fucking league, you moron? First of all, it's not true. The RLs are full of players who are as good or better than the LEC. Not all of them, obviously. I'm talking about the bottom players in the LEC, but there are tons of them. In fact, half the rants I have on this show is that what I hate about teams like Heretics and BDS is that they just sit at the bottom of the table fucking having shit players while Jizuki just sits there, who's better than half the players in league, just going, do I ever get to play? can can i have a game like I, i already we don't make use of the talent there's tons of talent and then as i said before Mate, how much talent have people found for cheat? Yong Hoon, fucking Vethio was the MVP of the league. Neon, by the way, has just spent his whole career on shitter teams like Bad Misfits, fucking SK, Schalke, now he's on Misfits again. Like, these players are there, and these are top players, by the way, these are players with real potential. So even that statement's so weird, because it sounds like what, the reason he's saying talent is limited is because, spoiler, it will be in his team. He's going to have a shit team with Spanish players only. So the joke is, it's like, how much more could this guy set you up that he is not going to in any way give you anything you'd want as a team? As far as I can tell, the only person who can get hyped from this, if they don't quite get what I was saying, is someone Spanish. That's it. If you're any, if you're not Spanish, why would this announcement A be interesting and B make you think oh, I'm glad we're trading misfits for that? If this was a fucking Panini stickers of football, you're trading yeah, not Messi. But you're trading like a pretty good midfielder for like some fucking dog shit like reserve player or something like you're, you're getting absolutely scammed. There, we all want for one mate I think, I think it's going thinking- to be terrible.
2: Yeah. In summary. <laughs> You think it's gonna be a shit show i it's like it's just certain ways that this is phrased you know this this whole this whole like press releases phrase i i just we want to make the best thing possible but we want to do that sensibly as soon as you read that surely your brain just goes to yeah that's it's just depression depression
0: not, bingo and he's ticked everything hasn't he like it's just it's, um,
2: just it's hideous it's just absolutely hideous and to start as as you said as well start small uh, and grow our, uh, our uh, t- and over time grow our stuff and infrastructure, and then a few difficult years. Like it's just, <laughs> I, I just, I don't understand. Like, at least lie to us. <laughs> That's my thought on this. At least lie and say like, yeah, you know, it's our goal to come in, and and we want to really, we believe like the ERls are underused. We think we should, you know, we, there's loads of talent in the ERls, and we're gonna, we're gonna prove that, and we're gonna show that, and we're gonna. Whatever, because then you're basically saying the same thing. I'm going to have a cheap roster full of nobodies, but it's because I believe in the ERLs and we have such great talent here in EU and it's going to work and it's going to be brilliant. I mean, Rather this- than whatever he's You know what's out. sad? I'll
1: tell you something really sad.
2: I've said it on past episodes, but I'll make it more explicit. Bear
1: in mind, by the way, we've now shown as an esports industry that nobody has any issue with China and Saudi Arabia and all these countries. The joke is they should just actually go back to Neom in light of what happened with the SL and the whole industry's fine and just say to Neom, here's the deal. Buy a team in the LEC and just promise that you'll make top teams and you'll pour money into it and that's how you get into LEC. That, they should actually do that, by the way. It would actually be good competitively. Look, I'm against it, obviously, on moral grounds, but no one else is, So fucking why not? <laughs> Not at this point, at least you get good players. Then the joke is that at least like to have like an actual team that was fucking funded. Like imagine if this team was signing like fucking Jensen or whatever. Like it'd be the shit, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, the, the funny thing is, this guy's actually trying to be ambiguous. You know
1: this guy? Do you know this guy in these no, I've I never seen him.
0: I didn't know him before this, but he's, he's trying to be ambiguous, but he's still being ambiguous in all the you can still read between the line ways that you just know it's going to be depressing. You, as well. Thing is though,
1: you do realise though, Rich, what we just did there—that's why I said it's one of my favourite things though. What we just did there though, that is a magic trick. Like if like there's plebs watching now, like a dog watching the magic trick, they don't know what that was. Like they wouldn't have read any of that into that. By the way, in fact, the joke is they would even stupidly say all the things I said. Like oh. He's He's much more reasonable than the others. Oh, I'm glad to finally see these eSports we've got, like, a real business. Like, they're going to believe all this shit. I bet they lap it up.
0: Yep, sustainable <laughs> gaming, finally. <laughs> uh, yeah. But also, the, just to put this in some, some perspective, and obviously there's loads of caveats to this. Like, first of all, we probably would have said no to the deal anyway, and secondly, Riot hated us. But our plan, if we were, if there was a scenario or a roadmap where we would have ended up in uh, LEC, for those that were living under a rock, it would have been with PSG, and we were going to build a team around SOAS. And that was going to be like our sort of, yeah, our iconic French obviously connection player in the top lane and then fill the pieces around that. Patrick was still under contract for another year. So Patrick obviously would have been the AD carry. Probably would have convinced that little cunt to keep his name as Sheriff because that's a way better name than Patrick. And, you know, fire branding already in a team with loads of public interest. So that's like baffling to me. Like if you're going to go down the we want to tap into the Spanish uh, uh, thing, it's like... Oh right, yeah. Is is I'm retiring? Are you signing Razork? Like, is Al Yoyo? Like, that's that would generate interest. Saying. Oh, basically, uh, what this actually means, translation, by the way, is they're going to try and get cheap ERL players who are maybe on That's the come-up. like up, World at but... Yeah, know. exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. hopefully not. Or the Antonio or whatever, exactly. Oh, God. But yeah, they're going to get a bunch of Spanish ERL players and the ones which aren't necess- aren't even the good ones because, spoiler, again, teams like Fnatic and G2 or whatever, they're always looking to snipe the best ERL players if they can as well because they're cheaper than the established superstars. So if they're a really top priority, prospect erl player guess what they're not even getting them they're not even getting them. Oh, by the way i'll tell
1: you something fake as fuck as well because i saw some french players tried to imply this about bds no player who's like spanish who's the best is like no i better go to this team then they're only gonna say that if like they didn't get the good offers like no I, I wanted to go with these Spanish. they're gonna all say that when they join by the way but the joke is if g2 would offer them they'd just be a g2 instead yeah. of course of course everyone would be yeah. everyone would be <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I think we're all pretty much uh, in agreement that this interview sucks and I'm going to miss Misfits. They're not even left yet. And I, actually, I already miss Misfits. They're still in the league and I miss Misfits. We'll see if they can make the playoffs. So,
0: By the which, way, uh, a, a small little, just quick aside as well. Keep in mind as well that all of these Misfits players, again, they're not all S tier stellar players, but at a minimum, you've got VTO, the mid laner, uh sorry vto and uh neon who are gonna be up for grabs and also um yeah ag- uh, irrelevant who in theory are all sort of you know nice pieces and i guarantee you that heretics don't go after any of them by the way they won't compete hmm. for VTO. They won't compete for Neon. They're going to go for some Spanish ADC who's not even like the best. But actually, no, they'll probably have... Jack I actually Petra. have a
1: question for you, Rich. Petra. Since you're someone who's been in an ownership perspective, I want to ask you this, because I've just checked this. Do you think... Is there a reason? you Can you make a case as to why this should be allowed? Because when I look here, right, Rich, I look at when the contracts end for those players. Mate, there's only Vethio finishes this year. All the other players have contracts until the end of 2023 or 2024. How is that a good faith contract legally that you sign a contract with me? Like you're going to play for my team in the LEC for like, and then you don't even have a spot. How does no, that work, mate?
0: It's not even that. It's the, the rules are outrageous and outrageously org favored. Even though they're not particularly org favored, they're all just riot system favored. But the players are the ones that get fucked the most because not only is the player not getting to play for the three, four years or or whatever, however long the contract is. But they're not a free agent either. That's what I mean. How does like, to me to me logically, if you
1: choose to leave the LEC, instantly those contracts are broken. Yes. And they become free and agents And obviously,
0: you know. and if you know if that's a rule and you know that, then obviously you should factor that into the price, and you should be like, well, we're oh, not going to get any money yes. into selling VTO, who probably if you sell him to NA, you could get like one point five million or whatever. So we'll factor that into how much we want to get out of the deal. But instead. They get to sell the slot for whatever it is. And then auction the players off. It's fucking outrageous. And for example, say someone like Neon. uh, Again, Neon's like a a very good AD carry. But he's not like top, 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 top AD carry. That means he's the most likely to get fucked. Because his price point's going to be at a point where, you're like, well, I'm not going to give you a price point for a not good AD carry. I'm going to give you the price point for a decent AD carry, but it's not going to be worth getting a free agent AD carry from the ERls who's super promising, is it? So people like Neon are potentially going to get mega fucked. Like, yeah, it's it's really bad. It's really fucking bad.
2: Would the players still get they still get paid if they're under contract, but their team drops out of AC?
1: <sighs> Well, that's the problem because, again, it all depends how it's worded. Like, for example, yeah. I would imagine the contract doesn't even say explicitly LEC. So it'll probably even like, obviously, when you get benched, sometimes you get half of your salary. There might be a world where you just go straight to half salaries until they sell you or whatever, you know.
0: Yeah, the thing—the thing, the thing is—and one of the reasons why I said like, uh, oh, but last time you said that the staff should have could have seen this kind of—it's obviously a different situation. Like the Deficio, I am assuming, unless he signs some incredibly insane contract from a member of staff, he's going to be free to go. These other people are going to be free to go. It's just a player auction, and I believe the riot rules only relate to auctioning off players. They've got nothing to do with staff, so it is two different situations. Just to be clear.
2: Fair enough uh that's all we want to talk about for our, our topics today here on side select but uh, we do have something very exciting to round off the show with uh, if you're familiar with our who wins segment thorin and rich go up against each other to predict what's going to happen in a in an esports match coming up and Thorin's just way too good actually rich is just way too shit because <laughs> rich has picked <laughs> rich has been the one picking and he still picks the losers and so i have uh, actually he's had lost to, to the forfeit. computer. This this time around, I actually lost to
0: the, to the AI. Like Thorin didn't even get to pick. I just lost. Yeah,
2: <laughs> literally, he just he just can't buy a win at this point. Um, and so he's had to do another forfeit previously. If you remember, he had to buy a uh, TSM jersey with 5.5 fucking k on the back. And uh, this time around, I believe he had to do a Twitter thread explaining why reckless. This was a painful one. I'm not gonna lie. Like this um, is actually a painful yeah. one. <laughs> sorry rich that you forgot to do please take it away and uh, go through the reasons as to why rex is better than forgiven so this is the thing Like i did actually think when
0: we were talking about it first i thought five is a good number because there are definitely some like really legitimate reasons or whatever and then there are some you know if we extended it more than five i'd really be struggling but honestly like even a couple of the reasons, I was like, these are kind of cheat. It's just if you take all the context away whatsoever. So anyway, the first reason I, I gave was that Reckless, uh, for why Reckless is a better AD carry than Forgiven historically, less reliant on lame dominant picks like Caitlin and Lucian. Now, that is true in isolation. But if we actually <laughs> contextualize it, you can just reverse engineer that and be like, well, basically Forgiven is one of the greatest ever Caitlyn and Lucian players of all time and Reckless can't play those champions to those abilities. So he wasn't target banned in the same way that Forgiven was target banned. So yes, it's true. Is it actually a reason why he's better? Eh, I'm not sure about that one. Now, reason number two, this one is the only one which is completely and arguably factually 100% correct, which is longevity. Uh, I said, no one has had more longevity in the West than Reckless. Guy's been top tier since season three and is still top tier now, even if he decided to run away to the ERLs. That is without a shadow of a doubt true. There's no comparison. He had a much longer career and Forgiven had um, a couple of splits as well where he kind of wasn't really Forgiven anymore, where he sort of fucked off after, like on Schalke, for example. I mean, that's not the same player that you saw absolutely wrecking the league on SK or whatever. So... Whereas Reckless has always kind of perpetual, even if he like people overrated him during his career, and he, you know people say like, oh F- Thorin fucking hates Reckless. It's probably because Thorin thought he was like the second or third best AD carry instead of the best AD carry. So he's always been there or thereabouts. Um, then again, the counter argument to this one as well would be that in my mind, from an individual standpoint, Thorin's peaks in terms of actual performance have been. Much higher. You mean than you mean, uh, forgiven? You said oh, there, oh, you sorry there. You meant forgiven. <laughs> well, maybe. Both, I agree. Though I have been much better than
1: reckless yeah. on my career. But yeah. yeah
0: go the, on. Forgiven, <laughs> forgiven's uh, peaks have been on an individual level, in my opinion, much higher. I mean, uh, we when we were boot camping in Korea, like this guy played a bunch of games against Uzi, and they were they. It was literally Uzi. Play, it was the Spider Man meme. It was they were laning, going toe to toe against each other, and sometimes Forgiven would win lane, sometimes Uzi would edge lane, like. They, and yes, that is just scrims, but there were points in time where Forgiven was arguably the best laning AD carry in the entire world. You could never at any moment in Reckless's career say that he was the best AD carry in the world or the best at any aspect of the game in the world. So again, he definitely has the longevity argument in the way that LeBron James has the longevity argument. But if you take any individual peak moment, you can't really say anything beyond that. Reason number three uh reckless can be more reliably abandoned in lane without dying so his support can roam effectively and make plays Again, that that's true, but it's like the first point to an extent as well, which is if you leave Forgiven in lane, he will still put out so much fucking pressure, either 1v1 because the other support's gone, or 1v2, that he'll either be able to freeze the lane where he wants it, or just keep relentlessly pushing, even in those kind of situations, because he wants to pressure the map on his own or get tower play. So it's never... That simple either, because there have been moments where he's been abandoned in lane and he's still basically 1v2 in the fucking lane. Which if you think about a five-person game, the fact that someone can do that is can be, in you're given the right situation, a massive boon. So again, it's kind of like you're framing the argument in one one way to sort of make it more favourable to the other. But how I worded it, that is definitely true. He can, you know, he is less likely to die in lane than forgiven if you leave him alone in lane. Um Reason number four, and as I said, this one is a bit of a push, but he's reckless is more malleable. Like I guess he plays more styles and is more team orientated. I mean, people do forget that. uh, Forgiven went through a period where he was like only playing Sivir, which is basically the ultimate team playing AD carry pick you can make. Like press R and you know take take the take the boys with you. So yeah uh, but you know reckless did play you know those ap bot laners when they were a thing but let's not forget that reckless did get pissed off with that and literally benched himself when if he had to play like another game of syndra or karma or whatever so yeah but in terms of like in in in-game role and resources i guess reckless is more sort of yeah malleable more more open to different situations i suppose anyone by the way who was at me saying why haven't you said better teammate shut up first of all there's no way you could possibly know that and someone tried to explain to it and by the way when i said explain explain to me how you know that he's a better teammate he said uh yankos said it on stream oh well then if i wanted yankos's opinion i'd ask yankos wouldn't i there's no way uh, you as a fan could possibly know that and secondly and i can't know this for sure because guess what like you i wasn't in the room with reckless for those years on fanatic but i was in the room with forgiven i highly suspect that that's not true I highly suspect that's not true at all. And I think in most walks of life, if you took those two personalities and put them in those rooms, forgiven would be understood more and tolerated more than reckless, honestly. I actually think that basically how forgiven was it as a teammate is he was very often right, and but very aggressive. And basically... A lot of the players were just acting like little bitches. I'll be honest. Like the, the kind of stuff that he was saying to Vanda, the kind of stuff that he was saying to other players, like why the fuck aren't you doing your job? I, that's the kind of tough love that I would want in a teammate where I'm like, you know what? The first time, yeah, don't be a dick. The second time, if I'm still making the same mistakes with just out of mental laziness, you should be having a go at him. You should be saying, I'm doing my part. I'm making sure all my fucking chickens are in a row. Why the fuck are you still doing this? Like, you are literally jeopardizing the team because you're being mentally lazy. And he would say that. And he would say it in an aggressive way. It wasn't tactful. And I'm not saying he was an angel as a teammate at all. Far from it. And he should have recognized, and this was his shortcoming, he had a lack of social awareness, or you could say social intelligence, I guess, where he didn't understand that while this may be the right thing to do or whatever you have to read the room and understand the kind of personalities that were around you and that wasn't necessarily going to work with those groups of players and most people in esports are weak in that sense but the way reckless behaved as far as i know again i wasn't in the room basically a passive aggressive diva which i don't think is any better than you know what forgiven was doing in fact i would say it's a slightly less honest approach to being a teammate because you're actively basically ignoring people or you know being shaded or not revealing your true feelings about situations. So the idea that he was de facto a better teammate than forgiven shut up. You have absolutely no clue what you're talking about. And to a certain extent, neither do I, which is why I'm just giving out an opinion based on the information I know but not making a conclusion. I genuinely don't know, but I suspect not true. And then reason number 5, I wasn't just memeing. I genuinely I after the fourth one, I was like, I I can't because the thing is team achieve. I don't use team achievement as a barometer in team sports for individual performance like i just can't it matters to a certain extent but i can't use that to be like reckless one way more trophies brilliant well done again as i said to the other guy like what you're probably a bengi fan aren't you you probably think he's an historically great all-time jungler like what's the point of this conversation like we're just going to award oh hybrid one lec was he a good sport no so yeah just just nonsense and i i genuinely i i i tried to find the fifth reason i couldn't i i really couldn't
2: so that was it. So you got four reasons. the well, joke is you should have
1: just said for the fifth reason because Thorin says I have to have a reason, so could have just could've had a loophole and could've hacked it, see.
2: I'm not gonna lie, sitting here listening to that just felt like you were dragging your balls through glass trying to make Reckless sound good. Um and in the end I came off thinking you don't think Reckless is better than you. He's good. He is, the thing, here's the thing. He is obviously, he's
0: good. He's an all time legendary AD carry. And there are definitely, if someone concluded that Reckless, for example, had the better career, well, that's inarguable. He did have the better career. But again, you've got to separate accomplishment from peak. I mean, I'll give you an imperfect example of how I view these things. And this comes into GOAT debates and, you know, individual performance debates. If we take like tennis, right? Like tennis is a game where. It can't really be judged quite the same because it is an individual sport but like my tennis goat is federer right even though both jokovic and nadal will end up with more slams than federer but Federer, played, well, no, actually, but yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but Federer played. Well, I guess theoretically, Federer's not retired, but yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. But Federer played long enough and won enough to be in contention for the conversation. So then it comes down to my main criteria, which is who has shown, out of the serial winners or serially good players, in in league's case, who has shown the highest level of play. And for me, that's Federer because Apex Federer beats anyone other than like apex nadal on clay basically and if you dispute that by the way just go and look at i looked this up to, to double check go look at federer age 36 so obviously not apex federer at 36 in 2017 he beat the number one player in the world nadal six times in a row all on hard courts which is deemed as the neutral service obviously grass is like federer's home clay is uh, nadal's uh, home but most tournaments are played on hardcore federer beat him six times in a row. And no, Nadal was not in a slump. He was the number one ranked player in the world, made the Australian Open final, which he lost to Federer. He won the US Open and the French. So this was like, and Nadal was 31 or something. So probably still theoretically in his prime or, or, you know, there or thereabouts. So yeah, the fact that obviously Intel, and I probably have Djokovic above Nadal, to be honest, in my GOAT debate. So maybe that's not, you know, a completely fair thing. But regardless, that's how I judge performance. Like if you're, if you get into the conversation, then it's, Who had the highest level of play? And to me, it's inarguable that over their careers, Forgiven has shown a higher level of play than Reckless. I mean, he just just has. Obviously, he just doesn't have the career to show for it. Reckless undoubtedly had the better career.
2: Are you satisfied, Thorin, with uh, Rich's response to your forfeit? he did a decent job I mean the whole
1: reason I obviously set the forfeit is, is I also don't think that's the case Too, I saw so it it'd be funny to just see what reasons he could come up with but the whole point of that as well is you notice I purposely like phrased it also not like he has to believe it just like why would someone because essentially the real sad thing about all these discussions is you can actually have people with wildly differing opinions you can have a great discussion about it like essentially if you notice half of what you're discussing is A what are the criteria and then B what is my internal criteria how do I order them, what hierarchy do I put them in? And the point is, we're all going to have different hierarchies. Like, for example, I'll basically this exact topic in a series I did for DeSerto. I did a topic where it was like the top, I don't know, 15 like Western players of all time and I was going through them all. And, I, and if you look, I think off the top of my head, I think I had reckless, he was definitely way above forgiven, but that was because I was also factoring in things like longevity, fucking career, all this. The problem I have is this, whenever I do this topic, I personally seem to have a totally different hierarchy of other people because number one, and number one by far, in my opinion, is the eye test. Because in my opinion, if that isn't a major factor, what's it, what are we even doing here? Like essentially, here's what happens if you don't use the eye test. Every championship is identical one LEC title equals one LEC title well no I'm sorry bullshit if you win an LEC title in the fifth game and it's like a totally drag out game and you just crit someone three times like uh, fucking Wild Turtle did in that TSM versus Cloud9 series in summer 2014 that's different from me winning the same LCS title but I 3-0 stomp you and I'm the best player to ever play the game I test like why would those two count together and even worse this is where it becomes madness in my opinion if you count titles now imagine the same thing happened I win the LCS title with like a lucky crit in game 5 of like a really close slap down drag out series now imagine I don't win 3-0 I'll play the best League of Legends ever but you 3-0 me but now my accomplishment means not only is yours better than some other thing, but now mine doesn't mean anything even though I played the best League of Legends ever. And that, like I say, what we're having a discussion about isn't the discussion who's better at the video game. So in my opinion, on some level, pure eye test has to be like a massive factor. And the problem is, I'm sorry, that's actually one of the weakest areas for Reckless. Of all the great players in League of Legends, I actually think, partly it's his role by the way, he is playing the role which in theory is supposed to be semi-safe in lane, get two items and go to a team fight and then be peeled for. Right, he is playing something of a role that like can be a little bit more like passive in that regard. But the problem is, you look at all the other great players in history. They got all those crazy pop offs. Like the joke is, reckless pop offs are him just right clicking people on Tristana in a team fight while all the tanks don't go on his face. That is what he did. Now I know to a pleb they're like oh my god he's got a pentakill in Sweden it's, it's nothing mate that is not the same I'm afraid as to when Forgiver would go to a lane with a matchup that potentially is even a losing matchup and the jungler 2v3 ganking all the time win in CS and be like up two kills in lane like that shit was impossible in fact that's the whole topic I have with this whole thing without going into all the reasons because basically like I say you, I've done videos you can read about this basically the main problem I have is things like longevity so it's all great but even then you're sort of it's you're sort of making some sort of a fucked up negotiation with your eye test again what you're saying is look the eye test did tell me guy a is better than guy b but guy b played longer though it's like like here's the question i would have because it's a real problem if someone's a champion this is a this is an, an area where i've noticed no one's consistent on this Like, right? if you're a champion once and then you flunk the next four splits but i'm second place five splits Technically, I am better than you. I'm always in the finals. Like, I'm having a better average performance. But I also never did win. So in none of those actual five times, maybe was I the best if you go on accomplishments. So the question then becomes, right, usually what you do on that one is you go, well, I'll give the nod to the guy who did the five times. I'll say probably overall was better. But then where does that end? Like, if if I'm the champion now and I only play for one year, but then you're ninth for seven years in a row, how many years before suddenly you overtake me by never ever coming close to winning? So I think personally, a lot of that stuff is just chasing your own tail or trying to find, like, like, like shading like weird side loophole lawyer it's almost reasons I guess you could sir. like I say just look in the game I think it's way better and then for me crucially there's a side point I have which I'm very unique in other people don't seem to agree with me because I hate the fact that in team sports and team games people do just count the accomplishments which are by definition the team accomplishment in my opinion when you talk about the best player that is an individual award and should only be judged on individual merits not championships and so because if you do it that way then everyone who was a great team player gets their championships and respect from the championships and everyone who's a great individual player even if they get fucked by their GM or country or language can always be shown to be a great player and can always be respected for what they did so my problem as well is this on this particular topic I've always said this Reckless has won the MVP a gang of times when they played around him it's only one split I think every won the MVP that they also won the the league because usually that was when the team went to shit and they just defaulted to Reckless actually is the carry now every really great team Reckless was in and was going to world finals and stuff they were the teams that were based around the solo laners and the solo laners were monsters and he played the traditional tertiary basic bitch cobay style I am the guy who just goes in lane probably even on my own in lane for a while and then the team fight I right click people and I do damage now listen that's very good to win championships if you've got great solo laners. The problem is this. One, if you start a team tomorrow, and you have Reckless and I have Forgiven. Difference is, I can chuck any players in mine and I can have a chance to win. You can't. You actually need some of the best solo laners in the world. World. Because, by the way, this guy even wanted, like, top LEC solo laners booted out the team because they weren't good enough for him. And then, secondly, like Rich said about the carry champions, mate, all oh, right, this guy's the greatest even though he's not known for any of the carry champions. Not a fucking carry, then, is he? Because that's one thing I hate, by the way. The best player ever, I mean, Bengi's a good example, but I think Impact's the other example. People keep trying to do this thing to me where they go, surely by now, Impact's like, you know, the GOAT top lane or like the Western GOAT. It's like, he was never the focal point of his team, ever. So logically, if you start your team and your best player's Impact, you will never win a single championship ever in your whole career. Meanwhile, if I start my team with Faker, uh, for- Forgiven, I'm starting with the most powerful carry of all time. What are you talking about? I'm starting at the top. I can build a team out. So in my opinion, by definition, if you play a role-player thing, how can you be the best for your role? Yeah, I, I think that, I- I've always thought that was very illogical personally. You, you can know.
0: never be, in my opinion, you can, ne- less incredibly extreme circumstances, like you literally role-swap to every role and you were the second best player in the world in every role. Like, it's impossible for you to be the GOAT anything if at no moment in time you were the best. How does that work? How can you be the goat if you were never the best? Yeah, that's a problem I have. What? doesn't make any sense. Like, you're the best of all time. Oh, at which points were you the best? Well, never, but, you know... Or whatever. I mean again to use tennis as an example if we play each other at tennis and we always meet in the final and I beat you six love six love six love every time we play four years in a row then I do a beyond Borg and retire and then you go on to win like the next five or whatever in no universe could you claim to have been a better player than me you didn't even win a point against me but because you get to clean up when I'm not there and in that scenario you would have been the best player in the world just because minus the fact that I don't exist anymore but in a world where you're never the best how can you be the GO? it's ridiculous so yeah and i don't even think there were that many moments in time where in fact i don't think there was a single moment in time where got, even in these whack sort of top 20 best players in the world where they feel the need to insert like seven western players just for fun i don't think reckless was ever ranked as the highest western player in any of those lists i think it was always whoever was the best mid basically or forgiven yeah. maybe you know like i don't think he was ever considered You know, he's just been...
1: By the way, since you said the point about the scrims at Worlds, I'll tell you this. I don't care what they say in interviews because as Monty told everyone, it's true. You go and look, the greatest Koreans will constantly say stupid shit like Bjorkson's very good at, like stuff they don't fully actually believe. But all I'll tell you is this, behind the scenes in the scrims, I've never heard a single Asian player give a fuck about Reckless except the ones that were friends of his. As Rich says, Forgiven was like a fucking, like an urban legend to those guys. There's there's only a few players. It's like Forgiven, like fucking Diamond Prox. There's only a few there's a few though that actually the asians do mad respect and he's one of them for sure
0: yeah and even the All only right. time i knew it was legitimate was when the smeb one because again people do just throw, throw out these you know uh, random niceties and fake on an interview saying i no, don't know outside to I it really, is the reason why they yeah. do it yeah exactly i really no. think <laughs> that uh, yes he is actually almost as good as me maybe better but when smeb was literally crying after getting bodied by Otto, it's like, okay, well, I know that those are crocodile tears, but usually you can take that shit with a grain of salt. Like, doesn't mean anything.
1: By the way, I'd also think this would the, the sad thing about this is this actually could, would is also, in my opinion, a great debate because they're so contrasting and they're so different in their careers and what help they had and how they came. But what I find whack about this is, though, 99% of the time, by the way, when you have this argument, you're not arguing against someone else who makes all these points, like the points Rich has made. You're arguing against someone whose actual first position was, I just like him as a person and that's where I'm going to start. So it's an utterly worthless debate, however, both people, sadly, in the public. That's why it'll, I'm sure I, this doesn't really get ready traction, but if it did, it'd just be a shit fest of comments, by the way. So, I mean, I it's biased because if we, like be, they wouldn't even ent- engage with our points, guys. He just hits. Forget it. the joke is because they just like reckless. We must just hit reckless. In contrast, that must be the only reason, right?
2: I think that's that expands to esports in general. I know that with casters too. Like people, people's comments on casters is completely like it's nothing to do with the merits of of their casting ability. It's purely who who you like. You enjoy as the way, that's the problem also with the fact
1: casters have to be popular because I'll tell you what a big part of what's ruined this conversation is fuckers like casters they they would make it sound inc- they would make it sound no joke like this isn't even close like yeah. reckless is miles above it. reckless is a legend of, and forgive us just some guy who's good you know that that's how they would spin it you know yeah.
0: and by <laughs> yeah, the way just because- the last final thing and I do think this matters is for those people who weren't watching back then way 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 back in the day N-rated was a very good support player even by the time he'd come to be on that SK team and play with Forgiven, he was no longer a good support player. And go watch that fucking split. Holy shit. It's like dragging a dog around the map. Like it is full on trying to enable Forgiven mode. But at that point in his career, he's not even good at doing that. So he is basically playing with one of the worst supports in the league. And he is, but well... To quote for the man himself, he was by far the best player in the league. That, you know, we argue about MP, MVPs, the different splits or whatever. I think VTO's MVP was relatively convincing, despite how close the casters decided to make the voting. The most conclusive, you are the de facto best player in the league by a mile of all time, was that split uh summer split i think it was summer no spring, oh, spring of 2015 spring split yeah. of 2015 with forgiven that is the the greatest salvo anyone's ever but this had. way
1: ask someone i mean to be fair nowadays maybe they've forgotten yellow star but ask people like who are your top three lcs supports of all time and you all three of them played reckless yeah. Hillersang sang mickey x and yellow star all played reckless by the way doesn't have as many championships as you'd think out of that you know, that's one thing that's mad. One of the things that's ruined the reckless career as well, by the way, is this. Everyone forgets those years between X-Becky and Caps. What happened in those years? That was when he was the star player. Because, by the way, he had like spirit, like one of the best careers. Nick, fuck off. The whole thing's just fraudulent. His whole career is fraudulent, mate.
2: <laughs> His whole career is fraudulent. In
1: that sense, it is. Because, dude, they make it sound like he was just winning the championship every year. You know, by the way, he hasn't won the championship in 2018.
2: 2018, was People you? have had a whole career oh,
1: since then it was 2018 it's last time
2: he had caps yeah he yeah, has that, one of more... you masters though that's true that's true i i this is the thing is like when whenever just around this off here talking about reckless like he was always at his best when he wasn't the guy you know and that's why um the the Rain over hooney lineup that was amazing then when caps came into the fold that was amazing as well but then, whenever he had to be the, the the carry, whenever he was the guy, domestically it was honestly pretty good, but never made a dent internationally. And that's why I thought, like, I actually, well, I ate a bit of crow thinking that it would be, him going to G2 would be really good, because he absolutely did not need to be the guy on G2. Um but for some reason that just all went to shit anyway. Oh
1: so. twilight paper, it made sense. I even said it's yeah. a great move. Seems seems like yeah. a bagger, yeah.
2: By the way, feel, on that but... team, the
0: one Foxtrop just mentioned, that Hooney Rainover, forbidden Yellow Star team, arguably he was the worst player on that team. And if you think, oh, 2015... Was and the Daniel one Star? without him first. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, and that. But also, if you think, oh, was, was Yellow Star still at his apex? Go watch the final between mm-hmm. Fnatic and Origin. Yellow Star was unbelievable. If they gave out finals MVPs, which I don't think they did, he'd have won it by a fucking mile. He was insane, especially Game 5, Jana. Unbelievable. So, yeah, arguably he was the worst player on that team.
2: Anything else you guys want to add on before we round things off today? No, we're all good. Uh, thank you so much for watching. I'm excited to see what Rich's next forfeit is going to be in three episodes time. Um, <laughs> see, Thorne's going to run out of ideas at this point. you got to cut him some slack, Rich. you got to try and actually get something right. Um, but anyway, that's, that, that's a problem for down the road. Thanks so much for watching, guys. We'll see you next time.